seems like a thousand years ago. I fought my way out of that cave. Became Iron Man. Realized I loved you. I know I said no more surprises, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one. The world has changed. None of us can go back. All we can do is our best. And sometimes the best that we can do is to start over. should move on. Some do, but not us. Even if there's a small chance, we owe this to everyone who's not in this room to try. We will. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC, and we are, of course, broadcasting live right here on Channel 11. 38.com because it is Friday night and that's when we normally do it. Not always do it, but we normally do it now. Sometimes the schedule gets crazy. It just happens. You got to bear with us. But nevertheless, we're here now. And if you're listening in the future, of course, welcome, whether it's from iTunes, Google Play, or from StarWarsOdible.com, our proud partners. And we've got another awesome episode for you guys tonight. Of course, Past couple weeks, we've been talking a lot of Marvel. We've had a couple of Marvelous episodes. Ah, see what I did there? That's a really old pun. Never mind. So we talked about Avengers Endgame last week with a lot of people. Endgame Pod was a massive success. It was great. We had fun. Hopefully you guys had fun listening to it. But we are not done with this movie at all. We have just begun 
and uh, we're going to be wrapping it up tonight with our third and probably final Marvel episode for the time being, talking about the movie for ourselves. And speaking of ourselves, of course, introductions are in order if you are new to the show. My name is Ben, and joining me, as he always does, is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Zach, it's finally good to get to talk to you, because I didn't get to do that last week. I know, man. Long time no see. Quite literally. It's, it's been entirely too long, and I'm, I'm glad to be back talking movies with you again, my friend, and particularly this movie. I mm-hmm. have a lot of thoughts on Endgame, and I know a lot of people have a lot of thoughts on Endgame. We got to hear a lot of those thoughts last week, and it was awesome. Just some really, really awesome conversations and some really great panels and some voices that have never been on the show before. And we finally got to have them on, and it, it was way overdue, and it was a lot of fun. But like you said, we've got to take some time to talk about it ourselves because there's just mm-hmm. so much to unpack from this three-hour cinematic marvel. And yes, I'm using that word as, as a pun, as a play on words. Uh, but there's just so much to it that, you know, trying to weasel in a few words here and there, well, weasel probably isn't the best word, but trying to just get a few jabs in there wouldn't really do it justice for the many thoughts that we've had on it. And so tonight it's more of a chronological discussion, looking at the, the overall plot, some of the sequences that we enjoyed, some elements that maybe we didn't enjoy. It's a more comprehensive approach, similar to how we've done on previous episodes of this show, and we've had a lot of previous episodes. By now, if you're new to the show, you know, I'm glad that you're here, but also go back and listen to the other 230-something-odd episodes that we've got, because we've been on this show for literally years, (laughs) and it's high time that you've listened to some of our other content. Just don't go back and listen all the way to episode one. For the love of God, save yourself no, from that. don't, don't. Don't please, listen don't, to... Don't subject yourself. Don't listen to the stuff from 2014 unless it's like our Jurassic Arc or something like that. But, like, even then, tread carefully. But go back and listen to some of our other stuff and, you know, just get a feel for how big of a fan of the MCU the, the both of us really are. Because it's been a point of conversation since the beginning. One of our very first episodes was about Marvel Comics. And so getting to wrap it all up into a nice little bow a couple of weeks ago was really nice. You know, that comprehensive look at the MCU. And now we get to see what the what the Russo brothers have cooked up for us as far as the final part of this 11-year story that's been in the making, and I I gotta say, it didn't disappoint. No, it did not. There were a lot of people that thought it had the potential to disappoint, and there are a lot of people that I know, several people, in fact, that I know personally that I've talked to about it, who have said that they were disappointed by it, and I'm very sad to hear that, because mm. if I had to choose one word for this film... It would be satisfying. Yeah, I totally. I was very satisfied with this movie. I wouldn't call it a perfect 10 out of 10, not by any stretch of the imagination. No, 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 no. But no. I was satisfied by what I saw. When the end credits rolled, I was satisfied by what I had seen. And everything that they had been building for all these years finally 
came to a head. Everything started to make sense. And that was probably one of the most satisfying parts. Not necessarily just the fight sequences. Not necessarily, you know, who lives and who dies. But just the idea that this is something they've been working on for the better part of a decade. And we finally get to see all of it pay off. Not some of it. All of it. And it, that... I mean, it really... It's this movie... And, I, and I'm not the first person to say this, and this is not the first time I've said this. This is a love letter to the MCU. Oh, absolutely. Like, it, it is. Like, I don't... Like, I've heard of a few people going in like, oh, this is my first ever ever MCU movie. And I'm like, how, like, I'm sure, like, you get something out of it, but this movie is all about, it's, the foundation of it is the, the, you know, the MCU and all these films that come before it. Every single one of them. Whether you liked all of them or not, I think pretty much all of them were... You know, referencing this thing. And by the way, we're going to be talking spoilers. Oh, yes. Because the Russo brothers said we could. All right? They gave so, us permission. We're not giving ourselves so, permission. They said it was okay. So don't shoot the messenger. We are doing what we were told we could do. And I'm saying that because I don't want to, you know, call any, catch anybody off guard when I say that in this movie, a huge sequence is devoted to Thor the Dark World. And a lot of people don't like that movie, but it's in there. And it's, you know, you you kind of have to have seen that movie to understand what's going on. So it doesn't hold your hand. It goes through this movie and it references all these references and does all these things. And it's crazy. Um, but if you've been watching the MCU all this time, it's very rewarding. Well, that's the, that's one of the things that... I really, really enjoy about this movie is it is the the type of, of movie that just gives things to you and expects you to know what's going on. It, it's definitely appealing to the longevity of its fan base. If this is your first MCU movie, great. But I feel like there's a lot of references you're not going to get. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of context that's going to go way over your head, especially like why is the whole half the people in the universe dead? Why did that happen? Right, like, like you didn't even question. you didn't even watch Infinity War and they're talking about you know all these people that have died and this dude that that won and then they they end up killing him in the first ten minutes of the movie and you're like, well, what the heck is the rest of the movie about now? Like that was that was one of the big questions that even the longtime fans have had. But if this was your first right. time watching it, you're like, wait a second, wasn't that the villain? Is there going to yeah. be a new villain now? Like, what is going on? So yeah, it, it, I would not recommend this being your first one. I would recommend at least watching like the original Iron Man, the original Captain America, the original Avengers, Thor: The Dark World, uh, Thor: Ragnarok. Uh, it just get yourself some some basic footing in there. Civil War probably, um, and then you know that that would at least introduce you to Black Panther. Go back and watch the original Guardians movie. That will give you some context about the Guardians of the Galaxy. You kind of have to watch about five or six movies just so that you have a basic understanding of what's going on in this film. You you have to 
have the very least have seen all the previous Avengers films. And to, I mean, even the previous Avengers films don't hold your hand when it comes to references and this universe. And, you know, it, it assumes that you've seen. It assumes that you know Iron Man. It assumes you know Captain America. It assumes you know all these characters before you walk in the theater. Um, which, you know, yeah, it's a, you know, it can be a detriment to the film because not normal people, you know, are going to be normal people, I say. Like, normal people as in people that haven't seen these movies or aren't aware of them, but, like, how many people are there? Like, normal people have seen these movies. Most people are aware of what this is and these characters and all these, most of these films. So, like, they're, you know, it's not like this is some fringe franchise they're they're playing to the majority of their audience which is the people that have actually seen all these movies yeah that's true that's very true and you you kind of have to have this context in order to enjoy this film so i guess if you wanted to call that a knock you could but i really don't because like you said this is kind of a love letter to all those people who have been loyally following and watching since 2008 Right. And so, you know, it's okay to create moments of fan service because it's the fans who have given you 11 years of money and success and becoming a part of pop culture. You know, there was a time when superheroes weren't cool. There, no, there was a yeah. there was a time they were very nerdy. They were very eh. They were like, oh, you play with superhero action figures. Like there was there was a time it just wasn't cool, and the X Men didn't really fix that. And if we're being honest, Tobey Maguire's Spider Man didn't really fix that completely. And you know, there's still people today that kind of thumb their nose down at superheroes. Cough, <laughs> James Cameron. Um, but. You know, they're in the minority now. Yeah, those people are are not who's in charge. The the nerds rule the world now. Like that's the thing. Um. So I don't I don't know. It's it 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 is fascinating to see how far we've come with pop culture and how you know how far you know how things are perceived now. And these are the biggest, literally the biggest movies in the world. We're talking about Endgame possibly dethroning Avatar. That's a big deal. I didn't think that ever happened, or at least not in a while, and here we are talking about it. So, crazy. I'm still not sold on the whole hype of Avatar, if I'm being honest. I don't think anyone really is. I mean, I I am, just as a movie-goer, I'm like, okay, Avatar movies, maybe I'll see them, maybe I won't, but I'm definitely not one of the people asking for this. And, yeah, so that's a whole other can of worms. It really is. I didn't mean to get into that too much. I'm sorry. No, it's just it's fine. It, it's just one of those things that you're like, how is that the number one? You know? <laughs> like, how how did that possibly make it that far? I I, I kind of grimace at at the fact that that is what what the number one on the charts is because there's so many other movies that are so much better than avatar and 
somehow that still retains the number one spot. It's just like it was. It was a true phenomenon of the time. We, I we mean, actually, I, you know, I get that, but at the same time, really? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just it was this this wave of like, holy crap, this movie looks so good. Whatever, and the 3D and 3D was you know at its height that time. It just rode that wave and just blew open the box office. It was a you know more than a blockbuster. It just destroyed it. And props to James Cameron. Like I, I don't I don't hate the guy. Throw some shit at him every once in a while. But like you can't, you gotta give him credit because he he manages to make. I mean to you know top five you know all time biggest movies ever. Two of them are are his. Titanic and you know Avatar and. Endgame just passed Titanic and probably will pass Avatar eventually, but yeah, it's you know he's up there. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to discredit Cameron by any means, and I don't know how I. Oh no, no, I wouldn't either. I don't I don't know how I got on that particular tangent necessarily, uh, but you know I I think this movie is a, a testament to the idea that um, superhero movies becoming old hat that's just completely false. It, it, there, there is there is no evidence of, of of pop culture and society actually getting burned out on superhero films. That I, that's the thing. It's funny how we went from you know this this whole idea that superhero movies aren't cool or whatever. You know that's that's always been a thing that's been around. Went from that to superhero movie fatigue, right? And and I'm like, and you notice no one is saying that now. No one, no one. You don't hear a word from anyone saying superhero fatigue when the one of the biggest movies, probably will be the biggest movie ever, is a superhero film. Like no one is talking about that. It's hilarious that that was actually discourse for a while, and all those people have shut up now. Yeah, I mean, you 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 kind of have to given the the positive results. I mean, I'm I'm looking at some of the numbers on Box Office Mojo right now, and it's domestic total alone is 660.445 million dollars it's mm-hmm. worldwide totals 2.3 billion wow 2.3 billion that 660 million only makes up 28% of its money that it's made the the the, the 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 world it's not just the u.s the world is saying that this is one of the best movies of all time and that's just i mean i'm i'm super excited i really yeah, it's it's great to see it's i'm 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 very happy that a superhero film is getting this kind of attention, especially an MCU film and especially in game, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Oh, completely. Completely. And I'm I'm trying to look at all time numbers. Cause apparently that's that's really hard to find on box office mojo. There's a lot of variables. There's like, you know, there's, there's all time, there's all time domestic, there's, there's all time domestic, there's, adjusted for inflation, there's exactly. worldwide Top rated R movie, top PG thirteen movie. Apparently, Incredibles two is the top rated PG movie. Did not really? did not know that. Um, so I'm just gonna go for 
top domestic. See what that does. Uh, it's number five for top domestic. Top worldwide. Here we go. Avatar sitting at number one, making 2.78 billion worldwide. And Avengers making 2.32 billion. So that's what? Another 400 million that they're going to have to make uh, domestically? Or not? Mm-hmm. Oh no, not domestically, but it, while it's still running, it's gonna it's gonna have to make that while still running. And I, I'll be honest, it's only gonna be out for what? Maybe another four weeks, if that. Yeah, that's the that's the thing is, I think Avatar and and older movies just in general stayed in theaters so long, and nowadays there's so many movies coming out, not just general movies it's a lot of really good movies the good successful movies are coming out like non-stop that you know now you've got detective pikachu coming out it's getting a lot of great reviews and it's going to start taking it's going to start chipping away at endgame's numbers because people have seen endgame three times already everyone in the world has seen it you know a dozen times you know they're they're done they want to move on to something else so that's going to affect it whereas you know avatar stayed in theaters i don't know how long like and just people kept going back and back and back to see it. Um, Any game's not going to get that kind of patronage. I don't think so. I I, I don't see it making a hundred million a week regularly for the next four weeks. No, it's not. It's it's not. It's just not going to happen. It's it's going to drop off, which means I I don't see it passing Avatar, unfortunately. The the way the way things are trending. However, I will say that for a superhero movie in a time when people were expecting to be experiencing superhero burnout, to climb all the way to number two is pretty impressive. Oh, it's absolutely impressive. It is absolutely a feat that they did this. And, you know, number two at the all-time box office, that's not bad. That's not a bad thing for a movie to do in, like, two weeks. Um, or even less than two weeks, actually. So, it's, yeah, it's it's insane. Well, I think I think tonight makes two weeks, doesn't it? You're right. It does. Well, it. I mean, if you're counting, yeah. So, if you're counting official, like, if you're counting like Thursday the, night. The, the official Thursday release night, I guess. date. Yeah, Thursday, right. Thursday the, the, the opening you, night you know, before. Preview night, whatever. Right. And that's when I went, you know, mostly because yeah. I knew that if I didn't see it that first night, it was going to get spoiled for me. Like, I just yeah. I just know that my circle of people is going to be talking about it. And if I don't watch it, then I'm going to get spoiled. I tell you what, I was lucky and I wasn't as careful as I should have been because I was still online. I saw it Sunday night. At like a 10 p.m. showing, which was really late, and I got out like 1 a.m. or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 the only spoiler that I saw was like one that I, I was self-inflicted. Was I just went to YouTube and someone had uploaded a clip of Professor Hulk, and you know I think it was him in the diner or something like that, and someone like you know really crappy quality. And I was I was like oh I didn't want to see that, but 
I was like, nah, that's okay. Like, I, I was kind of like, I kind of anticipated that, heard people talking about it, so I was like, okay, I'm cool with that. So, kind of made me more excited for the movie, knowing that that was actually in the movie. Yeah. So, I was I was lucky. I didn't, I didn't really get spoiled on anything. Uh, considering the people that, that you're connected with on social media, that's actually pretty impressive. Well, you know, it helps. You, you just And see, I was, I was still on Twitter, stuff like that. I just didn't. Like, you don't go scrolling through your... <laughs> You threw your feed, and I started seeing, like, different things in my Twitter feed because people were just really careless with stuff. Um, Like, I got spoiled on Lebowski Thor. Like, someone, you know who you are, was posting on Facebook, like, memes. I'm like, dude, please. Right. Gosh, but, yeah, other than that, no big spoilers, and I, was, I went in pretty clean, and it was amazing. Well, okay, so let's let's talk about initial impressions then before we go yeah, sure. before we go into to really deep spoilers. Just overall thoughts on on this movie and the stuff that it presented and what we make of it in the context of the MCU as a whole. Yeah, I for me, my initial my initial impressions coming out of the theater was I had a lot of mixed feelings. I had a lot of, you know, cuz I think the movie, and for anyone that's seen it, and I hope you've come this far on the podcast you have, like, there's a lot of time travel shenanigans. There's a lot of stuff happening, and there's a lot of finality. There's a lot of final scenes for certain characters. And it really was, like, this big thing, and it's a lot to take in. And I, I really haven't felt that, I don't want to say conflicted, but, like, I wasn't, I didn't haven't felt this overwhelmed about a movie since mm, Last Jedi. That's a good word for it. Overwhelmed. So, right. So... It's just a lot to take in, and I think the more I've thought about it, the more I've listened to podcasts, the more I've been on podcasts talking about it, the more I've talked to other people online and stuff like that, the better I've felt about it. Because just thinking about it and, you know, the whole time travel mechanics of it is really whacked out, and some of it doesn't totally work. And even after the fact, I'm like, okay, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but it's a movie I'm willing to work with. it. And this movie, the way it treats its time travel and stuff like that is to be commended because the fact that it doesn't take it too, too seriously. But still, there's some kinks in there. But overall, I think, you know, it just it's not a movie that I don't, you, can, you can watch and then come out of theater and going, oh, that was perfect or whatever. Like, I have all my thoughts saying, I think this is a movie you, you sit and you go and sit down and think about it for a while. And then you come back with, to it and actually watch it again and think about it some more. And stuff like that. It's just so much. It is overload how much stuff you're getting. You know, you're getting the the ending of Steve Rogers, the ending of, Caf, uh, you know, uh, Tony Stark, and even Natasha Ronoff, like all these characters. I just threw a bunch of spoilers out there. Sorry about that, guys. Um, But, like, so much stuff is happening in this movie Yeah. on top of just it being a really well-done movie, really, really fantastic visually story-wise, everything. Um, so, yeah, it's an overwhelming experience, and y- you need some time with it. So, overwhelming is, is probably the best word that I've, that I've been able to think of since I was trying to, to come up with something. I mean, satisfying is the first word I would use, but overwhelming is the second word. Because mm-hmm. I think for all the stuff they were trying to put in there in three hours, it's just a lot to take in. It's a lot to try and take in and process, and I don't feel like any human being is adequately capable 
of processing everything that they experience from this movie in one viewing. Yeah. You're going totally. to you're you're going to have some really amazing takeaways on your first viewing and you're going to have some really negative takeaways on your first viewing. You're going to sit there and, and go, "Wow, this is a bit of a cluster. Wow, this is not how I thought it was going to go." Wow, I was not imagining this being how it would be done. And, you know, in in some cases, you're probably a little disappointed that it didn't go a different way. I know I definitely was. Uh, but at the same time, you're also just having to embrace the fact that this is the direction that they went. Right. And once you do embrace that, once you do realize, hey, everything that I've been watching for the last 11 years is coming to a to a to a finish line. It's coming to a head in this movie. I need to soak in everything that's going on so that I understand this is how it's going to end for my favorite character. This is how this story wraps up and this is how their lives impact the lives of others around them. That kind of thing. There, there's a lot of that that goes on in addition to the action, in addition to the visuals, in addition to the time travel, in addition yeah. to X, Y, Z. There's so much going on that it's just completely overwhelming for your, your senses and your ability to keep up with the storytelling for three hours. It's just a lot. Yeah. It's a long movie and it really doesn't waste a whole lot of time well, with mm, its stuff. Okay. Well, I'm gonna disagree with you there. <laughs> I, I know where you're coming from. <laughs> I know where you're coming from. Because there are there are people like BuzzFeed articles and stuff that are going around that's like when is a good time to go to the bathroom during Avengers Endgame? And like the the short answer on Twitter is like there's not Watch everything. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, bruh, I'm, I, I did not pay twelve fifty to watch Meek and Korg play Fortnite. <laughs> I'm sorry. If I had to find a time to go take a leak, it's when that is happening. If I, if I had to find a time to go to the bathroom, it's when... Uh, Professor Hulk is 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 taking a, a selfie in the diner. If if I if I had to go to the bathroom uh, during this movie, it would. I, I I don't know. There's several instances that I would. Th- those are there's, those are those are two that that instantly come to mind. Uh, th- but there's others that are in here, like when Ant Man is trying to eat a taco. I don't care. Like see, like I that's one thing, and see. I think I'm interpreting wasting time differently than you are. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Because I appreciated all those jokes. I love seeing Korg. I love seeing different things. I know you love them too. I do. Don't get me wrong. But, but, I, I do love those types of cameos, but it's not like I'm going to get a bladder infection just so I can watch them trash talk some kid on, and, on Fortnite. Oh, yeah, of course. And you're not going to be confused throughout the movie if you missed if you missed the Korg and the Korg scene, you know, if you right. miss that. You just mean, oh, yeah, Thor's back. Like, that's basically what you're doing. Maybe there's some other things in the dialogue, whatever, but, like, you're, you're, a lot of it is just, you know, it, it, there is a lot of stuff. That's what I 
appreciate about this movie because I think overall, I think a lot of movies can rush through certain things. And there's even down to, not just with that, but there's certain scenes where you'll have the camera just hold on Captain America's face for like several seconds. And it was noticeable to me because I'm like, if this is another movie, it would have cut away by now. It would have not held this much screen time just for just to get a kind of a reaction shot, just getting like having somebody like Chris Evans just kind of act the hell out of it and, you know, give a kind of somber look on his face. And it seems kind of trivial, but I think it works, I think, from a certain point of view. And I think I'm glad that this movie was three hours because you can. And yeah, there's some unimportant stuff in there. There's maybe some jokes you could skip. But I think overall, I think this movie is in contrast to Infinity War. Infinity War was bam, 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 bam. You know, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this, introduce this character, this character's got to meet this character. It was this just so fast-paced. And this movie is utter contrast to that. It is such a slow pace. The first hour is so slow. And I think that works because you're setting all this up because you can have that third act with Avengers Assemble and everyone's there and you, it feels earned. It's it's there. I, I think this movie is three hours. To me, it feels like it's three hours. But it's still, that's not a bad thing, I don't think. Well, the thing about certain three-hour-long movies is if you get caught up enough in it, it doesn't feel like three hours. Oh, yeah, of course. This movie definitely feels like three hours. Yeah, I agree. Everything about it just screams it's a three-hour film. And that's not a bad thing. That's I'm not I'm not necessarily calling that a bad thing. But what I am saying is you've got to be prepared. You really, really have to be prepared to actually sit through an entire three-hour production. People don't have that kind of attention span anymore, man. <laughs> they don't. People are watching, you know, seven or eight seconds of a video on Instagram, and if it doesn't grab their attention, they're going to the next story. There, there. If if you if if one of my favorite YouTubers releases a twenty minute plus video, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not watching it. I'm <laughs> I'm not watching it. It's just it just I don't. I'm not gonna sit down and have the time. But you know, and and there's a reason. So many movies, most movies, are in that sweet spot of you know two and a half hours. I'm about to say ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes, like that that hour and a half to two hours. If you go too much more beyond that, then you know you're looking at a three to four hour movie experience. If you're including the previews and the time it takes to get there and time to get home and all that kind of thing. Oh yeah, this is this going to see Endgame is like a four hour affair. You oh, at get least. to the theater. Before the previews are gone, and you've got to find your seat, do all this kind of stuff, get your concessions, whatever, and then the previews take 15, 20 you know, minutes at least to go. And, you know, so by all in purpose, and this is three hours and one minute, and I, I mean, I guess since there's no post-credits, and you don't have to stay through the credits, so you can save a little bit of time there, but still, it's, you know, three and a half hours at least. Yeah. Yep, it is. And I'm I'm still kind of I'm still kind of torn on, you know, could it could it have been in that sweet spot of you know two and a half two forty, maybe. Abs, it, you know what I'm gonna say? Absolutely, it could have been. It absolutely could have been. 
245, 240, 230. Mm-hmm. And people would have been fine with it. People would have thing. And may, maybe people would have been even happier with it. So here, um, here's, it here's, the, here's the flip side then. Do you think the Russo brothers have an extended cut lying around somewhere that's closer to four hours? I wouldn't be surprised, but I also feel like I feel like they made the movie they wanted to make. I feel like be, being that this is a three-hour movie, being that this is the first three-hour MCU movie, um, I, I think they were willing to, you know, you know, and maybe they, they they wanted to make it four hours. I doubt it. I think they're used to making movies about this size, and Disney, you know, Marvel were willing to give them that amount of time to just tell their story. So I think I think this movie is the way it, way they want it to be. It just feels yeah, in places it's a bit slow, but I think I think I I take it as a compliment to the movie, not a burn to the movie. But other but you I'm sure that you can analyze this entire movie and see some scenes that are like, "Okay, that doesn't work. That's that's a joke they could have cut. This is a scene they could have cut. This is a, you know, a beat that could have been, you know, removed." I don't know. But I think I think for the last of these movies, you know, it's not the last one, but it's the last of these for these characters. Um, I'm glad they took the time. Uh, so, I I guess we need to actually talk about this movie that's three hours long. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> otherwise, Perhaps we're gonna so. otherwise we're gonna be podcasting for three hours. Um, we did last week. Yeah. Well, I mean. When you got collectively, that, when when you've got that many people, you kind of have to. Let's be honest. Right. Yeah, we we had no choice. We no, and it was a lot of fun hearing hearing different people's thoughts and impressions on on different elements. And we may get a chance to touch on some of those elements as we talk about the film. Uh, starting out, obviously, we're looking at picking up where things kind of left off from Infinity War. And one character that we didn't see in Infinity War is the one character that we see at the very beginning of Endgame, Hawkeye. Ironic. And yeah. and seeing seeing Hawkeye lose his family was gut wrenching. Like that that as soon as I saw Hawkeye, I'm like, oh crap, dude, you're gonna do this to me. Like th- this is bad. It, it was a tone setter. It really was because you 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 watch him. Uh, he, he's got the ankle bracelet on, so he's still being watched by S.H.I.E.L.D., but he's at least with his family. He's kind of under house arrest, if you will, much like Ant-Man uh, was during Ant-Man and the Wasp. And he loses his family, and then he just loses it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, like everybody's saying, like, oh, you're losing it, you're losing it. He lost it. He legit loses it. And... He just instantly becomes one of those relatable characters because you start to wonder just how bad would I lose it if I lost my family in the blink of an eye. Like, it's it's such a weird concept because they're like a family of five and he loses all four of them? No, family of six. There's How many kids are there? I think there's three kids, right? Yeah, three kids. Yeah, so they're a family of five, and he loses four of them. His, like, Thanos' snap isn't, like, evenly distributed among families. It's just evenly distributed among the world. And so it doesn't really matter. You just take six billion people, and all of a sudden it's three billion people. That's kind of the way that it worked. 
And for him to lose literally everybody, you kind of get where he's coming from when Nat tracks him down in Tokyo. You're like, I lost a lot of innocence, and yet you still get to live? How is that right? Yeah, it's... Yeah, I, you... It's funny how this movie, and if you think about it, glosses over so much of the the byproduct damage of the snap, which is like, there's tons of people that went nuts, that were in deep depression, just because they lost their entire family like Hawkeye did. Mm -hmm. Hawkeye's just basically went off the deep end, and, and because he's a superhero, went and started killing mob people in Japan. Like, you know, and you can imagine what other people's things. Like, I'm I'm wondering, like, you know, Hulk snapped to bring everyone back, but what about all the people that committed suicide after the snap because they lost all their family? Oh, wow. You know, what about all the kids that lost their fam lost their, lost their parents? You know, you have Cassie Lang, who's not very old, really, you know, right after, during the snap, and she grows up without her parents. Like, they, she, she lost her, her stepdad, her mom, and, of course... You know, Ant Man was trapped in the quantum realm for five years. So, like, that's pretty dark and messed up if you think about it. And then you you have kind of this overreaction from well, not a really overreaction, just a reaction from Hawkeye, who takes this thing you know, kind of the wrong way. I mean, he he takes it the wrong way. And if we're being honest, all of the Avengers that get left behind, they kind of take it to an extreme if you will, because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I may be jumping ahead a little bit here, but oh. to to continue their quote-unquote mission and try and help people in this wake, in this aftermath, you know, to it, it came to a point where Natasha was asking, what do we do about an underwater earthquake? You know, that's how much the heroes are trying to micromanage the situation now. <laughs> that, 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 that they're observing the stuff that's going on in the depths of the ocean and trying to do something about it. It's overkill to a certain extent because it's over. It's done. You know, I think I think Cap's the only one that's sitting here going, yeah, we've got to think about the past, but we've got to think about the future, too. And, you know, it. I don't feel like that's something that a lot of people have really been able to do in this movie. And... That's I feel like that's a very big contributing factor as to why people are so obsessed with, you know, going into the past, going into the quantum realm to go into the past and find a way to, to fix things. Because the only the only one, literally the only one who found a way to make the most of this new world was Tony. Yeah. He came. He comes out, you know, pretty good. He comes. I mean, it, it took a while because he had to get rescued by Captain Marvel first, which was extremely convenient. But I digress. Right. right. I, I I watched um, a, a Screen Junkies video that tried to explain a lot of the loopholes that come up in this movie because there's there's a lot of plot holes and a lot of loopholes that that kind of get used and facilitated, and you know. Iron Man and Nebula getting rescued by Captain Marvel, like, literally got explained away because Rocket probably had a GPS on his ship. 
Right. Like, it's that simple. Oh, it's my ship. Of course I'm going to have a tracking device on it. I don't have a way of getting it, though. So, hey, Sparkles, can you go fetch it for me? <laughs> yeah. Like, that That basically, that that's basically how Iron Man got saved. But be- well, it's funny. It's funny. It it didn't even dawn on me till after the movie that how the Captain Marvel post credit scene fits in because if you actually watch it in sequence, it's she is alerted by the you know the the beeper yeah and she comes and says where's Fury yeah and then there's a whole sequence that we don't even see where they bring her up to speed on what happened. And tell her, okay, Tony's lost, and then she goes out into space, finds them, brings them back. I didn't even get that. I was confused in that part of the movie. I'm like, okay, have they met each other? How did Captain Marvel know to find them? Did she just happen upon them? It was a total thing with me, and I don't know if anybody else experienced that, but like, you know, it was like, it was after the movie, like, okay, that makes sense, but like, even the beginning of this movie really doesn't hold your hand in regards to like, you know, the sequence of events and half of Captain Marvel's involved and all this kind of stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, if this is your first MCU movie, you just see a bright, shiny lady show up outside of this dying Tin Man spaceship, and you're like, oh, it's an angel. <laughs> like, you have no idea. You have no idea what's going on. If you haven't seen Captain Marvel, you're just like, oh, hey, shiny lady. Like, there's, there's a lot that you really, really need the context for in order for it to make any kind of sense. Right. But Yeah, it's yeah, it takes a lot of, you know, as we said earlier, you know, you got you gotta see all the movies to get it. I mean, lucky for me, the only one that I haven't seen is the Incredible Hulk. And You haven't seen it. I, I haven't. I've seen really? every other MCU movie. In fact, outside of Ant Man and the Wasp, I think I own every other MCU movie. See, I watched it one time. I don't know why I did. <laughs> I don't know why you did either. Because <laughs> it's it's not even Mark Ruffalo, so the movie doesn't even make sense in its own cinematic universe. No. Like, if I was introducing it, and we may have talked about this on a couple episodes ago, but, like, if I was introducing someone to the MCU, I wouldn't show them that. No. Because I think it would confuse them. No. No, I, I would not show them The Incredible Hulk at all. Period. Especially given where Mark Ruffalo has taken the character, you know, if if you oh, heck yeah. if if you consider how how timid the Hulk was after getting his ass handed to him in Infinity War, going all the way through uh, the, the 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 eighteen months in the Gamma Lab or whatever it was he said that he did to finally coming out on the other side, you know, you do your five year time jump. He comes out on the other side being both the brains and the brawn. Like, that's not something that you would have even expected from the 2012 Avengers movie. And they touch on that just a little bit, seeing just how much rage and fury he's got in in that first Avengers film to where he is today. Like, there's just so much character development that they can only do so much to touch on in this film you kind of have to read between the lines to understand this is how far we've come. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, you know, you're, you're, there's so much context. There's, there's references on top of references in this movie. And, you know, you, you have to have, you know, not, and, and some references you may not, you may have seen those movies. And you may not get it because it's such a deep reference. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
And we, we may have to, like, touch on that just a little bit after we go through right. the discussion. Like, what are some of our favorite references? Because I've got a few. There were a few that I really yep. did enjoy. But one thing that I didn't enjoy. Can I can I just say this right off the top of the Absolutely. Right off the go top. Right ahead. I, number one, did not care for how easily they killed off the Thanos of Infinity War. Really? I didn't I did not care for how easy they made it look even with Carol there to help. I did not really care for how easy it was to cut off his arm and cut off his head. I expected a little bit more of a struggle from the dude who was literally kicking ass and taking names just a year ago. Hmm. I I expected a little bit more from that. And also this is unless I'm mistaken, this is the first time that we've ever done a significant time jump within an MCU movie. Yeah. This is I I think I think a lot of time is supposed to have passed in the Doctor Strange, but it's not like explicitly stated as this. Right, right. But as far as, you know, looking at going from say Captain America to Winter Soldier, it's implied that Cap's been asleep for decades, and that's like how you end the movie is that he's been asleep for that long, and, and that's your quote-unquote time jump. But aside from something like that, there really isn't anything that transpires you know, several years later like that, and we just kind of show up looking at the aftermath and then having to like, fill in the gaps that have been created from those five years. Because during those five years, you end up with Professor Hulk. You end up with Hawkeye slash Ronan. You end up with... A lot with, happens. Uh, say what? A lot happens. A lot happens, yes. You end up with Carol Danvers getting a haircut during those five years. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens over the course of five years that we kind of have to get caught up on. Four is another great example. You know, we we see him before the time jump, and he's he's sad and he's depressed. But then we see him five years later, and and he's isolated and depressed. You know, the yeah, there's absolutely. there's a lot about these characters and a lot about these stories that we kind of have to be filling in the gaps and reading between the lines, while also simultaneously moving the story forward, and that to me felt a little convoluted at times it was it was hard to tell which scenes and which moments were meant to be filling in the gaps and supposed to be character developments and which scenes were meant to be oh we're here to stop thanos and save the day i think i I think thor's visit to asgard with rocket was one of those more well-done blendings of the two because you've got Rocket on one side of the equation who wants to accomplish the mission. And then you've got Thor on the other side who's kind of going on a bit of a nostalgia trip. You put the two of them together and you are doing some character development for Thor while simultaneously trying to get that particular Infinity Stone so that you can solve the big problem. That was probably the best blending of those two elements, in my opinion. But there were a lot of other times, like when you're doing the game plan on how you're going to get the stones and you're like trying to figure out details about it, 
Thor goes off on the tangent about Jane and them breaking up and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's a funny moment, right? Like, you chuckle about it. Right, right. It's it's a funny moment because you know he's just going off on a tangent. But at the same time, it's like, okay, so are we focusing on the stones here or are we focusing on Thor's character development here? Which element should I be paying attention to? It wasn't as well blended in certain other areas. Yeah. Yeah, I will say about the time jump, I I really, that was one of the biggest shocks for me. I knew there was going to be some sort of a time jump. I wasn't expecting five years. And I really, really like it. I think it adds a certain amount, of, as, as I just mentioned, you know, all the, you know, you know, the things that might have transpired, what happened in those five years. And it also, like, when everyone's brought back, you know, it creates this problem of everyone, like, just for example, you know, Peter Parker goes back to high school, and, like, he everyone has graduated that was from his class. And, like, Ned's there, but, like, everyone else is gone. And, you know, he's... F- five years younger than everyone else. Like, there's just so many different logistical problems, like, with the fact that literally half the population of the entire universe was gone for five years. Um, And it adds a bit more of a... of, you know, ramifications for what happened, as opposed to... They could have just... It could have just been, you know, they go to, you know, the garden... And they kill Thanos, and that's that, and they come back to Earth, and you just miraculously, um, Ant-Man comes out of the quantum realm, like, immediately. And he comes out, and he's like, okay, I've got a plan, we're gonna do this time thing, and let's go back in time. And they could have done it then, that would have only been a few days. But, I think, and, and ultimately, it would have kind of just reset everything, and everyone thing would have impacted normal pretty quickly. It's way more effective, and way more just just on this universe it will the effects will be felt for years to come but the fact that we have this 5 year gap of just chaos you can imagine you know with everyone being gone um and i think that was i think that was a really bold choice in their part they could have really it could have removed a lot of the i keep going back to ramifications but you know that's 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 it like you there's so many things that they, they could have just it could have just been fixed and everything's back to normal. But no, even though everyone was brought back, there's still a lot of stuff that happened that can't be undone. Well, I mean, like you were saying about you know people that people that decided to commit suicide; those aren't people that you can bring back from a snap. No, no, and unless like Hulk might have done that, he might have snapped and like brought those people back, but he didn't say so. I don't think that was the case. I don't I don't think I don't think that was his intent. Like during the course of the snap, I think his intent was to bring back anybody that had been previously snapped away. Right. And so any of the other people who died of old age, who died of suicide, died of sickness, died of, you know, natural causes, died in an accident, died in a war, whatever it was, any of those deaths that transpired over those 5 years those people stayed dead. Yeah, like, I think Tony is saying, like, and, and Tony's the one that's kind of like, you know, I don't want anything to change. Like, Tony has it all, and he doesn't want to lose what he's got, and, <coughs> excuse me, and you, you know, he has that moment, like, okay, bring everyone back, but don't change anything else, because I don't want to screw anything up, 
any further because you know all this time has passed and you don't. I I thought for sure they were gonna go back in time and just wipe the slate clean and act like the snap never happened, but they didn't, and I appreciate that. Well, I mean, that was one route that they could have gone. Another one would have been just trying to acquire the time gem. That's true. You know, that that was one thing that I felt was, was kind of a, a logistical uh, question that I was – a logistical query that I was posing. We literally see Thanos use the time gem in the previous movie to move time back – even a matter of seconds or minutes in order to kind of hit the reset button on things. It could have been entirely possible to use just the time gem to hit the reset button in this universe and not necessarily be creating any splinter universes, which is the one thing that, um, that Tilda Swinton's character was concerned about. And the one thing they actually did in this movie is create a, Probably a bunch of parallel universes with, you know, the the changes that they made because they go back in time. Oh yeah, Loki escaped. Now that's a that's a, he he's off in another alternate universe. Yep. And you know, and in the new Spider Man Homecoming trailer, like not Homecoming, the Far From Home. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's all laid out there, and, and Mysterio's probably lying, but also he's probably telling the truth too. That you know, yeah, now there is alternate Earths where different things happen because. The Avengers screwed with time and created different, you know, different worlds. Well, what's ironic is when when Professor Hulk promised um, that, that he was going to, you know, restore things to the way that they were, the intent was to go to those specific points in time and put the stones back exactly as you found them. Right. So that nothing is different. But the problem is, when you're putting the stones together into a gauntlet, you have to take them out of the scepter and out of the tesseract. So it's not like you can put the scepter and the tesseract back in their universes. You can't put the tesseract back in the, what is it, the 1950s? Or were they in the 1970s? Um, it was the seventies where where Tony and Cap took it right from so the, the second time. If if you're using it to build the gauntlet, you can't put it back into the Tesseract. So it's not like you can exactly put the Tesseract back in that universe. Things are going to be different. And that's a good point. Like like that doesn't ho- totally work with the logic of like the Tesseract being the Tesseract versus I think it's called the Space Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, that Thanos breaks at the beginning of Infinity War. Like, they obviously did that again in this movie. We don't see it, but it is a stone versus just being a cube. Right. And then you have the whole thing with Vormir. Like, how do they return the stone there? How do you, like, right. How do you, how do you return the soul stone when you've exchanged Natasha's life for it? Yeah, exactly. How does it, how does it go back to the exact point in time where it was received because if you do that, then Natasha's sacrifice was for nothing. By the way, I want that as something. Do do Cap going to Vormir to meet the Red Skull? I want to see that scene. Oh, because that man. would be amazing. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Can you imagine that conversation? I, I have. I have thought it out in my head a couple of times. And can I just say Chris Evans and Hugo Weaving on the same screen again would be absolutely amazing. 
But oh my gosh! So yeah. I, I I know we're we're jumping around a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I, this movie jumps around. It literally jumps it around. Literally, it literally so, jumps around because I don't you're, think you're looking here. at. You're looking at, like you said, you're looking at the original 2012 Avengers. You're looking at elements from uh, Winter Soldier. You're looking at elements from the original Ant-Man and some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff that they were talking about from that. You're looking at stuff from Thor The Dark World. You're looking at stuff from Guardians Volume 1. You're looking at so many different elements of the MCU just by splitting up into these different factions and what have you. And yeah. here's 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 something else that I thought was interesting and somebody else uh confirmed it for me. I want to say it was Jeremy Johns. I watched his review on YouTube, uh his spoiler-filled mm-hmm. review. Um it was it was either him or the Screen Crush people who mentioned that it was extremely convenient that the uh, Soul Stone was being retrieved by Natasha and Clint. Mm-hmm. Because the whole point of receiving the Soul Stone is you have to give up that which you love most. Yeah. What if you had sent someone like Nebula and Rhodey to go get the Soul Stone? Yeah, that's, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, that's a kind of a movie thing, you know. Right. A lot of convenient things happen in movies. Right. But yeah, you're right. It would have been totally different. It's it's and... it's, a, it's, a, it's a storytelling convenience element because if you had sent somebody like Nebula and Rhodey to go get the Soul Stone and, and Red Skull tells them you have to lose that which you love most, they kind of look at each other and like, oh, I don't know, I, I just met you, but Bob, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, it, it doesn't have the same impact. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah I mean, it is It is interesting, you know, and I think what what I think find is interesting is, like, how, you know, there's just the whole controversy about, you know, Natasha, you know, you know, thing. I, I, I think it works based on just the fact that, you know, it, it is, and, and it's a great scene because, you know, they have a such a close bond. They do, but uh, it, it would not, you know, as you said, it, w- it would be really awkward. And it, what's interesting is, speaking of Nebula, like what I'm wondering is, did Nebula set them up for that? Because I got the impression from how she acted in Infinity War, because she says that, you know, and there's this whole backstory with Gamora tells Nebula on camera or whatever or through nebula's memories that um she found them after the soul soul stone burned it whatever and then of course they're integrated you know thanos takes gamora there kills her and there's this whole thing and when they're they have thanos on titan nebula says you know she's the one that first figures it out that he she he, thanos took gamora to vormir came back with a soul stone and she didn't come back obviously she killed her. I, I suspected that Nebula knows the mythology there. That you go to the, you go to Vormir, you have to sacrifice someone you love to get the Soul Stone. She knows how that works. So coming back to Earth, why didn't she tell them? Like, or was she like, if I tell them, like it's going to be a big deals, so I'll just go let them figure it out on their own. Like that's kind of messed up to me. Unless she, unless Nebula just somehow didn't know and just assumed. I don't know. I. 
I don't want to read too much between the lines there. Yeah, I'm I'm reading way too far into that. Yeah, I mean, just put it that way. I mean, but but it's a fair point because if she did know the mythology and she was setting them up, then it gives a lot more depth to her character because you're you're sitting there thinking, "Wow, she might actually be growing and maturing as a person for you know, an android or a robot or whatever you want to call her, a, a, a cyborg, I guess is the best way to put right. it. You know, you think she's developing and, and getting a lot of growth, and then she pulls something like that. You know, that's that's a that's a really big twist for her character. But, you know, at the same time, if she doesn't know and ignorance is bliss or whatever you want to call it, you know, you just happen to have this blind luck of the two of them, Natasha and Clint, ending up trying to go for the Soul Stone. Yeah, and I love, I love just speaking about that scene specific, specifically. Um, I love the contrast because you have basically the same scene again, but with different characters. You know, Red Skull says basically the same things. Yeah. You know, talks about it, and basically the same thing happens. But it's instead of you know a psychopath who acts like he loves his daughter, but is really just so selfish and willing to give her up to get the stone to do this horrible thing. Um, you know, the contrast from him throwing over her over the side against her will after she's fighting him to right. having two people who love each other that are fighting each other to kill themselves. Right. Like... That's so well. And I know there is the big controversy of the fact that I knew as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I know this is not going to sit right with people because not only is it, you know, it's, you know, because there is the whole thing with fridging with, you know, you know, for those who don't know, it's like, you know, a, a lot of times this happens in fiction where, you know, a, a woman, a female character is killed off specifically for the purpose of a, a you know, pushing a male's character story forward. I don't think that happens here because Natasha is doing it for the universe. She's doing a thing, and, and and Clint is trying his hardest to keep her from doing it and tries to kill himself, but it doesn't happen. Um, and I think it works. I think it's a great for Natasha's character because, she, you know, she had this big arc, and she finished it here. Hate to lose her, but it happened. Um, I just love the whole thing, and there, you know, it is, it's heartbreaking to see that scene, but also... You know, and and you know what Clint goes through, all that he's gone through, and he gets to see his best friend die too for him, which is awful. Well, yeah, I mean, because for the longest time, you think Clint's going to be the one to jump so that he can atone for his five years of sins. I legitimately didn't know who was going to do it. I didn't like, either. I was I was on the edge of my seat, going, "Who's going to jump over the side?" Like, because you have that moment where he jumps and then she jumps. And they're like, they catch each other, and they're using the things, tow cables, whatever, and it's really intense. Yeah, yeah, it literally comes down to, like, a matter of grip, essentially. Oh, yeah. You know, who can hold on to whom the longest, and Nat's finally just like, it's okay, just let go. And Clint really, really doesn't want to, because like you said, he's lost so much, he can't bear to lose anything else, and yet he does. Like if there if there's anybody that's got a a more compelling story arc in this movie, I would think it's Clint Barton. Because not only does he lose Natasha, not only does he lose his family, not only does he do a lot of fighting during that final sequence, 
but he also volunteers to go on the first time heist to see if capturing the stones and bringing them back to the present time is even viable. Yeah, he go, he does like the first time test. He he volunteers for the first time test, which is another emotionally gut-wrenching moment because he makes it to a point in time before his family gets snapped and he wants to see them again. He wants to talk to them and he calls out to his little girl just before he gets brought back and it just seems like her dad was in the other room calling to her and then she couldn't find him. You know, she had no clue that he was time traveling in that instance. And again, you're so emotionally powerful to see the family, but he's not able to see the family. He comes so close and then and then he ends up getting a phone call right after Professor Hulk's snap. And you're just like, oh, my God, what are you doing to me? He's such a critical part of this movie, and being, you know, is what rightfully so after he was literally completely gone from Infinity War. Um, having him, like, and literally Laura being the one to kind of, that kind of, her phone call kind of confirms it that the snap did work. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, there's other means of confirming that as well, which we find out just a few moments later. Yeah, but yeah. that was that was like the first beacon of hope that like, oh, maybe something actually went right with this. Yeah, it, it's that whole. And while we're talking about let's just talk about, it, I guess, um, <laughs> um, the, I love that scene because it's it, funny. I, I, I love that scene. But the first time that I saw it, I was like, what the heck's going on? Because th- throughout the whole thing I was confused with the time travel I was not having it at the at the moment because I'm like this is screwing up everything because I'm used to quote unquote normal time travel like back to the future you go back in time you screw with time you change things that changes the future and you could erase yourself from existence I'm keeping that in mind while seeing oh by the way Loki escaped oh this is happening oh they brought you know you know, the entire forces of Thanos, including Nebula, Gamora, and Thanos himself from 2014, from from Guardians of the Galaxy, is now in the present day. Like, how does that not throw the entire timeline off kilter? Well, of course, the answer to that is that it creates a separate timeline. You know, it doesn't change the fact. They kind of explain it in the movie. I didn't really catch that. But it is, it's bonkers in the moment. It is absolutely bonkers when, you know, and then when the entire S.H.I.E.L.D. facility or Avengers facility blows up. It's crazy. Well, yeah, because basically what's happening is now that this timeline's Thanos is defeated, Mm -hmm. the, the Thanos that you're now dealing with is the Thanos from a different point in time. The one but that because... has no idea who any of these people are. He just knows them by watching Nebula's memories and going like, yeah, this is what happens in the future. Right. And and he sees himself, and he sees his own death, and he's like, that is my destiny. And so it's like, I've seen bits and pieces of my future, and I know that this is what it leads to, but this means that I win. And yeah. so he kind of goes into this believing that he's going to win. He's he's got a little bit of swagger to him. He's got a little bit of of pride to him, if you will. 
and he goes into this with the with the belief that this type of victory, this type of fight is inevitable because he is inevitable. It's it's funny. It reminds me of the old joke where um, it's a meme, or whatever I've seen that a thousand times, where it's talking about, um, you know, how how you're thinking about doing something. Well, how bad of a choice could it be if if your future self didn't come back in time to stop you from doing it? Mm-hmm. So if if you're not getting warmed by a, a future version of yourself, then you're probably good. It's probably okay to do that thing. Um, here, like it's the ultimate ego trip for Thanos. Right, like he's gunning for this, and you literally have people coming back in time to stop him from doing the thing he already did. Like he knows he won, he knows things. So like he is this past Thanos that hasn't really achieved the goal that he wants to do, but is aware of the fact that in the future he wins. Well, but in the he, future, and he he dies. <laughs> he knows that too. He's also just very opportunistic. Is is what I gathered from this 2014 Thanos. You know, my my second viewing, I recognized that he's taking advantage of a really great opportunity. He's mm-hmm. he's recognized that a, a future version of himself has already won, and these people that are left can't live with themselves for for that happening. And so they are assembling the gems for him. And yeah. all he has to do is show up. And it's I love that in that moment he doubles down on his mission. Instead of like, you, you think like, and the, it, this movie like just shows how beyond reason and just, just how much of an evil psychopath Thanos is. It's like, Instead of like you know realizing, hey, maybe I shouldn't have done this because these people are literally risking everything to come back and stop me from doing this or, or undo what I did. No, he's like, I you know obviously I, I I should have done even more. I should just wipe everyone out and start over and create a universe that I want. And it's just like, like yeah, you know, why and, why stop at fifty percent if this fifty percent that's left over still doesn't appreciate what I've done, then let's just do 100% and get it over with. So now they're not just fighting for the 50% they're trying to save, they're fighting for literally everyone. Because then he snaps his fingers, there's no turning back. Right, and that's what makes it a a true endgame type fight, is you're not just fighting for the 50% that are lost, you're fighting for existence. You're mm-hmm. fighting for reality as you know it, which is a huge stake. It's an even bigger stake than the one that they had against the Thanos of the previous movie. And if anything, this enhances Guardians Volume 1 for me. Because, I, I mean, Guardians Volume 1 was already probably my favorite MCU movie. But to know that the Thanos from Guardians Volume 1 is the is the one who encounters the nebula of the past and the one who becomes opportunistic and tries to take advantage of the situation i kind of want to go back and watch guardians one again and enjoy it for what it is but at the same time think about how how much transpires between guardians one and infinity war all of the things that he's been doing up to that point he basically doesn't need to do he's found a shortcut and he's reaching not just the the heights that he was trying to aspire to 
in Infinity War, but he's trying to reach even bigger heights, newer heights in Endgame. Yeah. Like it, my my first viewing, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to go on no, a tangent no, here. But but my first viewing, I actually had a problem with this. I was I was actually really bummed that the Thanos that was so intimidating and was so uh so that that was so led up to in the previous films died in like the first 15 20 minutes of this movie. Like that's that's not a proper send-off for his character. But then by bringing in another version of him, by bringing in a version that is still in the planning stages if you will. Like they they talked about how um he he had found one stone and it's like, well, it's just one stone. And then they're like, but it's the first step. He really <laughs> he really hasn't even taken a first step yet. He really hasn't done anything with the stones. He hasn't really done anything with the gauntlet. He really hasn't done anything that the Infinity War Thanos has. He has none of that experience, none of that wisdom, none of that foresight or intellect. He's a lot more raw and a lot more ambitious and a lot more zealous than his counterpart from Infinity War was. Yeah. And by making him that raw, I don't know any other word for it, by by making him that untamed, uncaged, whatever you want to call it, he's actually more dangerous and more intimidating as the 2014 inexperienced version than the Infinity War version that we saw a year ago. Yeah, and and getting back to your point about Guardians, like, you can't, there's a lot of these movies now you can't really watch without having the perspective of Endgame. For the Dark watch, World, man. You you can't, no, and you, you can't watch like that opening scene of Guardians of the Galaxy and where Peter Quill is singing and dancing and you can't think, you can't not think about the fact that uh, Nebula and War Machine are sitting off to the side watching him going, look at this idiot. Well, I mean, there, there's that element and then there's the element of, you know, Thor losing his mother in the Dark World. Oh. Yeah, that's a big thing. That was that was a big enough thing as it was. Like that was that was a big enough thing on its own. But then to to know that Thor actually gets to have a goodbye conversation with his mom right before uh before she gets killed. Mm-hmm. Like it gives closure to her character. That I didn't even know that I needed. You know, it's like yeah, it's yeah. like this uh, this opportunity to say goodbye to her when I when I didn't even know that I needed to say goodbye to her in this fashion. You know, uh, his his goodbye to her was so somber and so beautiful that I. I actually, I can't believe I'm about to say this. I actually want to go back and watch Thor The Dark World again. I do too. I seriously, yeah, I, I feel the same way about a lot of this. I'm like, yeah, I need to revisit some of these because this is gives you new perspective. It gives you new pre- appreciation for some of these. And I also just like, I don't remember Thor The Dark World. I only saw it once. So I'm like, I'm wondering how like, that scene fits into the narrative of that movie. 
So right, right. Well, there's there's a lot of convoluted time travel that is still worth discussing, and we will just after the break. We're gonna we're gonna hit pause on our discussion before we get to some more convoluted time travel and some more awesome epic finale of this endgame final act that everything's kind of leading up to but uh we're gonna we're gonna do a commercial break real quick and then we'll catch you all on the flip side as we finish up our discussion of avengers endgame stay tuned is Sage from the Night Force Media Network, and I'm here to tell you about our new show, The Fandom Cantina, and why you need to tune into it. Also here to talk about it is, um, uh, oh yeah, right, it's Mondo. Wait, 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 so you should think I'm like, like an afterthought? Let no, me tell no, you but... something, okay? You act like I don't know anything about Star Wars I, I never and the said Force that. Or, uh, or other movies. I'll have you know, I was a MoviePass subscriber, okay? And I subscribed wait, to but... A-List, and you act like I don't know anything about television. You no. know, like all those fancy shows and video games. Let me I, tell you something, I man. Say... I have beaten 50 video games this year alone, and 50? you don't think that I like making odd-numbered list countdown lists up? Oh, uh, you are you are sadly mistaken, sir. So yeah, that's what our show's about. You can catch us 10 p.m. Eastern Wednesday nights. Mixler's Night Force Media. See you then. Welcome back, everybody. We are on the other side of the commercial break and continuing our discussion, our very long discussion, of Avengers Endgame. But you know what? I'm okay with a long conversation because, like we mentioned earlier, it's kind of a long movie. It's It, it deserves it. It really does. You, you, like normal films, I feel like we could talk all night about them, especially ones that we love, like this one. Yeah. And, you know... And those are just like, you know, two-hour-ish movies. This one's three hours. You've got three hours of content. There's just no way. We've already done. <laughs> I don't. I know I can't remember exactly how long Endgame Pod was. I just know it was longer than the movie. 
Yeah, definitely. Because we had two different panels going on. So exactly. You, know, you, finished, you finished up your panel, and then like 15, 20 minutes later, I started up mine, and then you know, it, it just went on and on and on. I felt like... Um, Felt like felt, felt like the song "We Are the Champions" by Queen. It just goes on and on and on and on. Is that quote? It's five bloody minutes. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, let's talk about some of the time travel elements that we did end up observing in this film. We touched a little bit on Thor's moment with his mom during Thor Ragnarok, making us want to go back and watch that movie again. Um, the other element that I thought was really interesting was their visit to the 70s when uh, you're seeing Hank Pym in his prime working on mm-hmm. Pym particles and you see the Tesseract at the same location and you just happen to see Howard Stark at this facility and one Miss Peggy Carter. Like, if anybody else, again, this is the convenience of sending Cap and Iron Man on this particular part of the mission, because if you had sent Natasha and Clint, they would have been in and out and on with life, you know? (laughs) But it just conveniently happens to be that Tony interacts with Howard, and Cap comes literally two or three feet away from interacting with Peggy. And I gotta say, some of these moments that are shared in that sequence are probably some of the most powerful of the entire movie, let alone, dare I say, of the MCU. It's great. It's great to, because you have that tumultuous relationship between both of them, really, but especially Howard Stark and Tony Stark. And then you have the, you know, the, the, the sort of forbidden love of Captain America and Peggy Carter. And, you know, here they can get in, you know, yeah, yeah Captain America's scene was a bit creepier than Tony Stark's scene. Well, you know, he just kind of but... looks at her through the window and gazes. Well, I mean, it, it could have been a little a little nicer, yes, but it also could have been a lot creepier. Oh, like, yeah. I, I sit here thinking of, like, those types of um, interview mirrors where you can only see one side of the window and then the other side it's like a mirror and you're just glaring just I just uh, what one scene that one thing that kind of you know made me you know suspicious about that scene was like at one point she's like turned towards the, the window and you can see from her point of view the window and you can clearly see him standing there clearly i'm like how are you not seeing him i don't know uh i <laughs> I can't really explain that. I really can't. I mean, what is this movie? You love it, but there's like many things like, okay, I don't know what happened there. Just just go with it. I mean, it's kind of a zoo-like situation almost where you're just kind of like watching and and seeing what's going on but can't touch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't know how else really to put it, but I did... I did enjoy the fact that you got to see her and he got to see her because it goes all the way back to the first Captain America movie. And again, it's kind of like a love letter to the MCU. You're recognizing that even though he's got this new life, even though he's supposedly moved on, he still has feelings for this situation. He still understands what's going on and still pauses the mission just long enough to see the woman he loves 
like to me it was it was rather tender because it's that unrequited love that just it cannot come to be it cannot come to pass but that's about as close as it can possibly be taken right and you know and it does like it totally plays into the end of the movie because i think i think for the most part captain america has moved on he kind of accepted his new life but you know bringing him back to that moment to the fact you know reminding him hey Peggy's still waiting on you, you know, in the past, and it never actually happened. And, you know, him, you know, coming back, and she's old, and she has dementia, and then losing her, you know, that's a big thing. So, yeah, it's it's tough. Well, okay, I don't, I guess we can bring that up now, because I read a theory yesterday about that final, about that final scene, and it kind of messed with my head a little bit. Oh, it does. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, well, well, not just that scene, but the theory as well. <laughs> the theory poses that Cap was there for the dance and the dance only. Oh, really? The, the theory states that because he's aware of how her future plays out, he knows that he's not a part of it. He knows that she ends up getting married to somebody else. And so he fulfills his promise to give her that dance, and then they go their separate ways. Wow. Allowing, so, allowing Cap to live out his life and allowing Peggy to fulfill the prediction of marrying the person that she ends up with in this universe. Hmm. So how do they explain, or do they even touch on the how, like, Cap gets old they they do touch on that and they touch on who the girl is because falcon asks him you want to tell me about her and cap's like no i don't think i will his theory <laughs> the this this theory that gets posed says that cap's first stop through uh through time and space is actually vormir and oh oh my gosh and he returns the soul stone in order to retrieve um, Natasha. Wow, okay. (laughs) I was not expecting that. And the two of them go on adventures through time and space, returning the stones to all of their original times and places. And they pick up just enough pim particles for for one of them to make the trip back. Wow. And essentially what the theory says is after he picks up Natasha, their next stop using the time gem is to go and fulfill his promise to Peggy and have that dance. And then they spend the rest of, you know, their adventures going from location to location, returning the stones to where they need to be. And when the last one is returned, they spend the rest of their lives together. And the reason we don't see Natasha at the end of the movie is because she dies first of the two of them. She, she's not a super soldier, so she wouldn't live as long. She wouldn't have. She wouldn't have lived as long, right? And that that would explain why only one of the two of them returns to that point in time. If 
for some odd reason, Cap had happened to die first, then Natasha would have come back, but she didn't. She died first, apparently of old age. Yeah. And then, and then Cap keeps his end of the bargain, saying nobody uses the Pym particles until one of us dies. Natasha dies of old age, and then Cap returns to the reality we know using the Pym particles for one. Wow. That's a sick theory. Like, it, it, it ties everything up in a nice little bow because it gives them the, the dance that they've been promising since Captain America, the first Avenger. It gives Peggy the life that she's supposed to play out, but also gives closure to her relationship with Cap. And it brings Natasha back. And it gives Steve kind of a happily ever after. And given the chemistry that the two of them had in Winter Soldier, it wouldn't surprise me that the two of them would have found a way to make it work between the two of them. Yeah, I... That sounds like a movie right there. It, <laughs> that, that's a whole movie's worth of stuff right there. That That's a ton of material to go over. But Black Widow's getting her own movie, dude. Yeah. Black Widow is Sadly. getting Black Widow is getting her own movie. And unless they're doing an origin story with somebody that isn't Scarlett Johansson, which would not make sense at all, then they've got to find a way to bring Natasha back from Vormir. This could be the way they do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Soul Stone has to be returned. If you're going to be returning all the timelines to the way that they need to be, the Soul Stone has to be returned. The question is, is it possible to return the stone and get back the life that you lost for it? I don't know. Yeah, I. you know, that's, that's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, what... How does that work And like, you know... Both Gamora and Natasha were sacrificed at two different points in time. You know, how does that work? And can someone come back from that? Or is it just permanent? And even this Infinity Gauntlet can't reverse it. Like, it's pretty crazy. Oh, man. I've got some thoughts on the Gauntlet, too. (laughs) We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But let's talk about uh, Tony and Howard for just a second before we move before we move to, to some of the other stuff, because there is some pretty big stuff that happens uh, at Avengers headquarters right after this happens, after everybody gets back. Uh, right. But, you know, Tony's a new father. Howard's about to be a new father of Tony. And it's like they're exchanging fatherly advice. And it's so funny because it's almost like this inception kind of thing where Tony gives Howard a piece of his own advice and then Howard takes it and uses it as his catchphrase to instill upon his newborn son. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, it's it's one of those things that's like, all the money in the world can't buy a second of time or something like that. Is that right? Uh, Some, something something yeah. something along those lines. I'm coming at this as someone who's only seen the movie once, so bear with me. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen it twice, but it's been a while. Uh, I kind of want to see it a third time. I also kind of just want to wait for the digital <laughs> like after a while you get kind of antisocial and it's like okay you you people have disappointed me like, like there are so many this is this is a mini tangent that's only going to last 60 seconds i promise there are so many people that i've seen on social media who have 
been really excited about their viewing experience. They're like, oh, when this happened, people cheered. Oh, when this happened, people laughed. Oh, when this happened, you know, I heard people sniffling and crying. The only reactions that I got from either of my viewings was when we saw Thor Lebowski. (laughs) Really? People gasped and laughed a little bit. But there were some other kick-ass moments in this movie that people just didn't do anything about it. They just watched it. They just let it unfold. They were too polite. You know? And I I feel kind of gypped a little bit because there's all these people that are talking about, you know, the place clapping when the, the big moment with Captain America happens at the end of the film. And I'm just sitting there going, yeah, I was clapping, but I was the only one. Like, it it was just, it was so surreal that both of these places were practically sold out. There were, like, a couple of spots in the front, like, individual seats in the middle that weren't being taken up. But for the most part, it was, like, 90% full. Really? And nobody clapped. Nobody cheered. They laughed when they saw Fat Thor. And that was it. And I was so disappointed. I I felt so cheated by that. I was like... Why can't I have a great viewing moment like this? To this day, the best movie viewing experience I have ever had, as far as a respectful audience that also knows when and how to cheer, was when we saw Rogue One back in 2016. Nothing tops that. Nothing can top that. Nothing will ever top people cheering for Princess Leia at the end of the movie and then everybody shutting up just long enough to hear her say the word hope. And then when you go Iris out, the whole place just erupts. That's that's the thing I love, especially about Star Wars fans. And you you get this kind of thing at Celebration when there's a trailer playing, for, especially for the first time. Yeah. People are so amped up, and they're like, ah! But they're, and simultaneously, you hear them going, <laughs> they, so they'll cheer for like a half second, and then they'll go back down. Because everyone is excited, but they also want to hear what somebody's saying. Yep. So it's this thing, so it's this uh, juxtaposition of like, People wanting to be respectful, but also wanting to uh, scream their heads off. You know, I was, I was, I was thinking about that, but I, I also re- recall that when I saw Infinity War, when when Thor shows up in Wakanda and he yells out, "Bring me Thanos!" Like it's a pretty big moment, and I remember seeing people videoing that moment, like taking out their their smartphones and just like holding it on their on their leg or whatever, and you see people literally give Thor a standing ovation for his arrival. People stood up in their movie theater seats to clap for a fictional character on the screen. That's how we do. Uh, apparently, I just go to the wrong theaters, damn it. Yeah, I yeah, I I whooped when when Captain America caught Mjolnir. I went, "Woo!" And I was the only one. Jeez. I I, I felt embarrassed after I did it cuz I'm like, "Well, okay, I guess I'm the only one excited about this Ugh. really awesome thing that happened." Ugh. I'm like I'm 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 beating my head on the microphone. Like, jeez, Louise, come on, people. Ah, but you get know, this, excited, jeez. Like, this is the culmination of things that we've been waiting for for eleven years. You're allowed to whoop. Sorry, I've had a little caffeine in my system, and I'm I'm getting a little overexcited about tell. things. But uh, you know, it's just it's it's one of those things where. It makes me want to have, like, a virtual movie-going experience so that I can see the movies with the people I want to see the movies with. 
Right. You know, right. like the people that are a part of the Channel 1138 staff chat, the people that are a part of the Fandom Cantina chat, the people that are, you know, hundreds of miles away are the people that I want to watch the movie with the most. Because I know people like Jake Damon are going to hoop and holler. <laughs> yeah. I know that you and I are going to let out a yell when something as big as Captain America catching Mjolnir is, you know, it transpiring in front of us. But these people just, they had no enthusiasm, man. I wanted to, like, put a tack under their seats just so somebody would yelp once. <laughs> but I digress. Yep. Let's get to that scene. Let's get to... Uh, Avengers headquarters. We've mm-hmm. got all the Infinity Stones. We've got all of them in one place, which is a really dangerous thing. We have put them together, and uh, Professor Hulk believes that he's the only one strong enough to actually handle the snap. We see the lightning bolts of of power go up and down his arm. It's like rainbow electrocution, static electricity, whatever you want to call it. Right. And... He he lets he lets out the snap, and we're all just sitting there going, "Did anything happen? Is it done?" Yeah. And the way that we figure it out is Hawkeye getting the phone call, which was really cute, by the way. Oh yeah, I love that. But the catch twenty two to this is because Nebula of twenty fourteen has a link with Nebula of twenty nineteen. She's able to basically capture her and switch places with her and sends a signal to her father that lets him know all the stones have been assembled for you. Everybody else has done all the dirty work for you. Now all you have to do is come and take it. Yeah, and and it's funny that and it's funny, what what I find interesting is the fact that how did they shrink down Thanos' ship <laughs> and get it through the portal? How? I I don't know, man. Maybe Thanos' tech has a shrink ray or something. I uh, I don't know. I really I really can't explain that one very well. Uh, there's Still there's a cool, lot of stuff though. about this movie. There's a lot of stuff about this movie that I can't really explain very well. For example, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the gauntlet for a second because of Hulk's snap. Mm-hmm. In the previous movie. We learn that the gauntlet was forged by elves through the fire of a dying star. Right. This gauntlet is supposedly the only power in the universe able to harness all six gems. It's a pretty big deal. That's why Thor goes there. To talk to giant Peter Dinklage, which I was so happy about. But that's why they go there, is to trace, like, retrace the steps of the gauntlet and figure out if there's any weakness. And to get a new weapon. Right. That was just one movie ago. And now, in this movie, we can put all six gems on a piece of Stark technology? That's convenient! Well, Thanos didn't have access to Tony Stark, so there. That's the cop-out? That's the cop-out. Apparently all we needed was some metal from Tony Stark, some nanotech, and the, and the nanobots are able to absorb the energy or something like that. I don't know the science behind it. All I know is we spent an elaborate, inordinate amount of time 
just one movie ago about the importance of this glove being forged from the fires of a dying star. And then in this movie, we are just somehow able to put all six gems on a piece of Stark technology and snap! Everything's good again. Actually, this is this is a stronger gauntlet because the the Eitri gauntlet that he makes is destroyed when Thanos snaps it, whereas the Iron Gauntlet remains pretty much intact again, after Thanos uses it. Again, what the hell? <laughs> like you're just proving my point. Oh, I'm I'm reinforcing your point. Like like you are reaffirming what I'm saying, dude. Like I there's no defense for this. I don't care if it's nanotechnology. I don't care if Wakanda has shared some of their vibranium with Tony Stark at this time. I don't care. I really don't give a rat's ass. If you're going to spend this much time on the importance of the gauntlet in the previous movie, it's got to hold up in the second part, and it just doesn't. It just doesn't. It leads to a pretty epic moment at the end of the movie, but it just doesn't hold up. Yeah. Like, Thanos doesn't even have the gauntlet, you know? 2014 Thanos doesn't even have the gauntlet at this point. So it's not like he could just swipe the gems off of Stark Tech and then do his own thing with this with with his with his gauntlet. He doesn't have it yet. He yeah. has to swipe the Stark gauntlet in order to accomplish his task. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean just... yeah, and that whole one thing that I don't get about that whole end sequence is the fact that at one point Captain Marvel gets the gauntlet. And I'm like, why doesn't she just use the gauntlet to snap everyone out of existence? I mean, she's pretty damn powerful. I would think she'd be powerful enough. They don't say that in the movie. They explicitly say that no one is really, not even Thor is up to the task of doing it, but because it's gamma radiation that it gives off, that Thor, that Hulk can do it. And even he gets injured, injured doing it. Maybe right. we're meant to believe that, that Carol Danvers really can't do it without killing herself, just like Tony did. I doubt that. Like, Thanos headbutts her, and she does nothing. He doesn't move. She's, I mean, she freaking destroys his entire ship in, like, seconds. It takes, like, the, it takes the power of the actual power stone in Thanos' right. hand to actually make a dent. Yeah. Which I thought was a pretty cool moment. It was, it was to me... Utilizing an individual gem like that was on par with utilizing the time gem to go back in time and 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 kill Vision in Infinity War. That was like pretty pretty good improv there, Thanos. What, like like pulling that one stone off and u- utilizing its power to actually you know punch somebody. I thought that was pretty cool. I I really I liked like you said the the improvisation of that. But you're right. Like almost nobody can actually do what needs to be done. But Carol Danvers absorbed the energy of an entire weapon, didn't she? Um kinda, I guess. It was it was like a it was like a generator, I believe. She she became the generator. Essentially. She she absorbed all of its energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, you're right. Yeah, that's her. That's how she got her powers. I think she can absorb the energy of the Infinity Stones. 
You'd think at, at least at least better than than most people could. But I I don't know if you if you didn't do it that particular way, then you don't get to have these particular moments that transpire in the film. So right. and I I get it I get it you know you had to give Tony his moment. It was time for him to go, and you know it, it that's just the way it is. But wish it wish I wish they provide a little more lot more logic and you know also <laughs> also the scene where and yeah i i look i think we're both on the same page like that more women in marvel movies is great yeah you have the scene where you know peter parker's like well how are you gonna get through all that and like oh she's got help and all you know all the female characters just happen to be right there thank um, you and are, and are backing thank her up you. and i'm like and i'm like why does she need help? She could just blast. She could take all of them on herself. Thank like, you. Yeah, like if it was, if it was Gamora saying that, yeah, okay, she's not invincible. No, Carol Danvers is invincible. She's basically, you know, she's even more of a god than Thor is. It's not. It's not just that, dude. It's gratuitous, over the top, pushing neo feminism in your face. Like, I wouldn't go that far. No, it is. It is. You're putting, like like you're saying, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take it a step further. Yes, Carol Danvers is invincible. But at the same time, I would much rather see one or two of those women characters saving the day uh, against another set of bad guys than somehow miraculously clumping all of them together for one glorified shot. It's I I've even heard I've heard a lot of women say that it was kind of you know it was kind of dumb the way it was done and it was just kind of over the top and yes. I, I tend to agree like it's a cool scene but like it's just it's 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 just pandering in a universe yes. in a universe yes. where they haven't done a very good job with giving us more female characters they just got Captain Marvel which is their first super first um you know female led superhero film in the right. MCU right. after 11 years right. of that like and they're like patting themselves on the back I'm like guys you should have done this a long time ago right and then they put scenes in like this like oh yeah hey we've got female characters like nah that's not really how it works exactly it's, it ultimately it just it just plays as pandering at this exactly point. because in in my mind and I know that I'm a white male saying this but in my mind if you really want to push feminism, if you really want to push equality, then you have a couple of of male superheroes who have had their own movie getting beat down, and then the woman comes in and saves his ass. You know, think, let, think, think, think. Go, go back to nineteen seventy seven, Star Wars. Yep, Star Wars. The two guys come in to rescue her, Leia, and. They screw it up, and she has to save their ass. Yep, that's it right there. That's that's what equality looks like. Right. I know Leia's not a perfect character for that type of thing, but you get my point. No, it's, I do. It's 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 ultimately equality is not. You know, I understand. There's been an, a gap. There's been a disparaging thing with you know female characters over the years. But ultimately, I don't think things like this ultimately really help the situation. No, much. it doesn't. Because like you said, it's a, it's, it's a pandering move. 
it, it's it's gratuitous, it's over the top, and it's unnecessary for Carol and Danvers' character. It took me out of the movie. Yes. Even as someone who I'm all for like more female characters. I, I love yes, all those no characters. Doubt. No doubt. I'm I'm look I'm in the theater going, Oh, we're getting that scene again. Like and I don't wanna I don't wanna experience that. I don't want to feel like I'm being pandered to to give me what I want. Ultimately I just want an even stroke. I want as many female characters as I want male characters on screen. Yes. That's all I really ask for. Yes. And and I feel like we did get that because when Steve was assembling the Avengers, you're seeing people like Shuri next to her brother. When they come out from from their portal, you know it's it's it, in in that sequence it's like a two to one ratio. There's there's definitely a lot of opportunity to see you know Ant Man and the Wasp. You know you're putting you're putting the two of them together. I I feel like that is the kind of thing that we need. And maybe it's not my place to say this, but it's my show, so I'm going to say it anyways. Like you were saying, I'm going to echo it. It took me out of the movie. All yeah. of a sudden, I'm looking at this gratuitous, over-the-top, all-female sequence, and I'm sitting here going, okay, why do we need this? What we really need is Stephen Strange to be really caught up in something and have the Chitari on his back. You know how he's trying, he's trying to stop the water at one point, right? He's right. completely absorbed, if you'll pardon the pun. He's, he's completely caught up in his moment. And we say uh, uh, one, uh, 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 a squadron of Chitari are coming right down on him. Then that's when Pepper Potts and Shuri come in and just blast the ever-loving daylights out of that squadron so that he can keep doing what he's doing. Yeah, it, it, uh, yeah that's, that's really, that would be a better move. And, and this film overall, I think, does a pretty good job. With all of its characters, especially as female characters, one of you know Nebula is a huge part. Yep. Love her. Yeah. Um. You know, I know Natasha's death is kind of you know controversial, but ultimately, she's a linchpin. This movie does not work without her. She is pivotal in saving well, everyone. And she's the one that kept Shield running for those five years that we see the gap for. Exactly. She's yeah. like the she's like the group mom, if you will, for a certain for to a certain extent. She's checking in on people. She's, you know, checking progress reports. She's talking about how this is her life now. Like, she was she was crucial. And, you know, both Gamora and Nebula were crucial. And, you know, Captain Marvel's appearance was crucial. Because just when you think things are, are about to beat down on you, their attention is diverted. And like you said, she took out one of their ships. And, you know, to to some extent, the, the equality was shown when Peter started getting overwhelmed and she's the one who saved Peter instead of something like the other way around, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like Peter's beat down, he's overwhelmed, he's not really sure what he's going to do next or how he's going to, you know, how he's going to take care of things. And then Carol shows up and saves him. That's equality to me. I think the scene would have just played better if it had just been Captain Marvel showing up and he's like, how are you going to get through all that? She's like, watch me. And she just takes off. And she's just, she's just like, watch. And then like maybe she she could uh, she could have the, the the gauntlet in one hand and and put out a fist in the other one. She's just like punching through enemy lines. Like, that's, or that's she all... could have just put the put the thing on and snap right. her fingers. That would have saved over. us. That would have saved us a lot of time. 
And Tony Stark would still be alive. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That would have saved us a lot of time and heartbreak. I not that not that I didn't love that battle, but yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're you know, I still love this movie. Yes, no, it's too. got it's got issues, and we we're, we're hashing them out and making sense of them right now. But I still love this movie. You know, despite all of it, it's not perfect by any means. Here's but the, yeah, it's it's got some it's got some issues. Here's the deal, in my opinion. In 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 my humble opinion, the fight between Cap, Tony, and Thor against Thanos before everybody gets assembled is one of the best fight scenes in the MCU. I would agree with that. I think that I think that's a really well done fight. Really it's, well done. It's really well choreographed. It's really well fought out. It's really well written. It's got a big surprise moment with Cap being able to summon Mjolnir. Like, it's got all these things in it that that you just crave from an MCU standpoint. You've got Tony doing his thing just like he did uh, in Infinity War, only this time Cap is there. And, you know, even though his shield is being cracked and beaten down, he's still going to make a stand, even though Thanos apparently can wield a, a double-bladed sword you know, I that can crack. That can crack open Cap's shield. That, that can crack that... open vibranium. That's oddly convenient, uh, but whatever. You know, even with all of that, it's a great fight sequence. And like you said, it led to a whoop moment when Cap's able to summon the hammer and Thor's using the axe. You're like, holy crap! These guys might actually have a chance. Mm-hmm. And that that beacon of hope and that that thought of you know, potential redemption. It was just glorious to watch unfold. And then hearing Sam radio in his ear and, and tell him on your left, on your left, on your left, you know, that moment, that moment is so great. Another hearkening to winter soldier. That was just brilliant. And, you got that Alan Silvestri score. Yeah, you got just the emotion of it. You got every, pretty much every character from every movie, every previous movie, showing up on the same battlefield. And my favorite part of that whole sequence is Thanos's face. You mm. get that shot of Thanos mm. when they mm-hmm. all show up, mm-hmm. and he goes from this proud, um, "I'm gonna enjoy this. I'm gonna wipe you all out." He goes from, "Oh, crap." I done goofed. Yep. Yep. And, and you know, as much of a CGI fest as this is, let's be honest. Let's let's call a spade a spade. It's a cluster of CGI that transpires next. It is. It is. As I mentioned on Endgame Pod, it, it does. They did do a good job with, well, I'm not going to say it translates well into the movie, but there is the fact that, most, if not all, the actors that you see on screen are actually there. They weren't composited into it. Right. Um, at least all the main actors. I'm not sure about, like, I'm sure there's a lot of soldiers and stuff in the background that are composited in or whatever. Still, it feels very, I don't know, I'm not I'm not so sold on the aesthetic of that whole battle and what's going on in it. I'm not sure it's my favorite battle of this thing. Even though you have that moment, the Avengers of Some moment is fantastic. After that, I'm not totally sold on it because it is, it's just this dark and gloomy, and it's, you know, I, I, as I said, I need to see the movie again so I can 
clearly process it all. But right. my first impression was like, I'm not sure about this because it was like, how many dark and you know gloomy battles have we seen? You know, I would like True. something a bit different. It felt very boring, just like, okay, we're just in a bunch of dirt, I guess, underground. Like, okay, whatever. Like, I think I would have preferred maybe in a city or something like that. You know, I don't well, know. but we've had so many city adventures. True, and and you know, it, if if we wanted to do that, we could always just go back to New York, I suppose. But I actually kind of appreciated the fact that they chose a more obscure location for the fate of the universe, because one of the one of the big complaints that. Uh, a lot of people have had about Marvel movies and DC movies and just superhero movies in general is the amount of innocence that gets caught up in all of this. True. I, I, True. Sokovia is a really good example, you know, from Ultron. And then, it, and then it leads to, you know, the civil war that we know that transpires in the third Captain America movie. By having it at a now, you know, demolished Avengers headquarters in upstate New York, it's far enough away from everything that innocents aren't really a factor at this point. And it gives us the opportunity to pay even more attention to all the starring characters that have assembled. I never really considered that because you're right. There is no collateral damage problem with this movie. You Mm -hmm. have, you know, you have... The Avengers, the first Avengers movie, which is great, but mm-hmm. it also completely glosses over the fact that there's probably a lot of civilians being killed in that battle. Oh, You're yeah. just not seeing it. Oh, yeah. And then in Sokovia, it's a big deal about them trying to save the people, but still you understand and they address it in the Civil War that, yeah, people are dying. And then you have <laughs> then you have Batman v Superman, which just freaking doesn't care oh, about civilians. Gosh. He's just destroying cities and all this oh, kind of stuff, probably gosh. killing millions of people, and nobody cares. See, that's the one thing that I'm really nervous about Godzilla King of the Monsters, is one swipe of Godzilla's tail can take down a skyscraper. That's the thing. I get real quick tangent when we move on after this. Yeah, yeah. Godzilla Kingdom Monsters, they had an extended preview of that before I saw Endgame. Mm-hmm. I've never been a Godzilla fan, so don't. my opinion means nothing. But I am not at all interested in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is so, it's just so dark and gloomy and, oh my god, the world is falling apart and there's, you know, these giant monsters blowing through these cities and killing billions of people. I'm just like... I, I'm sorry, I'm just, I, I, I don't want to go and get depressed and, and see a bunch of monsters kill each other while killing billions of people. Yeah, just not for me, sorry. Yeah, so the only reasons I would have to go see Godzilla would be in this order. Charles Dance, Millie Bobby Brown, and Mothra. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because I I really loved Charles Dance in Game of Thrones. I really love Millie Bobby Brown in Stranger Things. And one of the only Godzilla movies that I remember from my childhood was Godzilla vs. Mothra. And so I would want to see that reimagined and see how all that plays out. And I might want to watch it to see, you know, how they're going to try and tie it into a, a Godzilla King Kong movie. Because they did Kong Skull Island a year or two ago. And I would want to see like how they try and 
connect those two things together. But you're right. It's very dark. It's very gloomy. There's a lot of doom and gloom to it. And we've we've had a lot of those types of doom and gloom, the world is ending type of movies with things like Pacific Rim or even the Jurassic franchise is kind of going that direction. Yeah, fair and, enough. And so just adding to it with the Godzilla franchise, it's it's just not something that I'm really super ecstatic about. I might watch it if it ends up on Amazon Prime or something like that, but I don't think it's what I'm going to see in theaters. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you, and I agree. Okay, rant over. Back to the movie. <laughs> um, I guess we need to talk about Tony's decision. Yeah. And and what, what happens after that, because, you know, it's, it's really funny how, you know, Tony asks Stephen you know, you've seen over 14 million realities. Is this the one where we win? And he says, if I tell you, it won't happen. And what I, what I think is so interesting about that sequence is strange knows what's about to happen. Oh yeah. He's seen it all. He's seen it. He knows that this is the one that you win and he knows what happens in order to allow us to win. But if, he tells Tony, yes, this is the one that we win, and you have to die to do it. All of a sudden, Iron Man's hesitating. All of a sudden, he's got time to second-guess his decisions. All of a sudden, he's trying to track down Pepper so he can say goodbye. All of a sudden, he's thinking about his little girl. If he tells him this, it honestly, truly might not happen. Because I do love... He's going to second-guess his, himself. I do love the thing where he says, oh, I can't tell you... But then you have that one moment where Tony's looking at him, and Doctor Strange holds up a finger, just yep. one finger. It's like, okay, we're still in it. This is still working somehow. Well, I mean, it's like a it's like a clue, but it's not necessarily a confirmation. Kind of is, kind of isn't. A little bit of a cop out, but I was satisfied with it. Yeah, but it's... the thing the thing that I found so funny. And and part of it is attributed to the memes that I've seen on the internet, but the other part of it is attributed to my fandom of classic Disney movies. I had a really hard time um, with with the way that Tony kind of swiped all of the gems off of the gauntlet and put it on his own wrist. Because... Mm. All I could think of was the 1960s classic cartoon movie Robin Hood. Oh. Have you seen that movie? It's been a long, long, long time. There's a scene at the beginning of the movie where Robin Hood and Little John dress up as women fortune tellers (laughs) to try and trick Prince John out of his money in his carriage. Robin pretends to be a fortune teller, and while he's got him keeping his eyes closed, he swipes his bags of gold and drops it off to Little John. During a time when they are kissing the royal hands, they're full of rings and gemstones all over Prince John's hands. And Little John decides to kiss the actual rings. And when he does that, he somehow kisses the gems right off of the rings 
<laughs> and is able to put them in his mouth. Wow. And that whole sleight of hand maneuver where like, oh, the hand has gems. Okay, clip, 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 you know, kiss, kiss, kiss. And he's got the gems in his mouth. I don't know why, but that's all I could think of when I saw Thanos give the snap and then turn and realize that the stones aren't on his gauntlet anymore. All I could think of was Robin Hood and the sleight of hand stealing the gems off of Prince John. That's crazy. I, I have a very weird memory, dude. I don't remember what I had for lunch two days ago, but I remember a movie that came out in the 1960s because of how many times I watched it as a kid. I I hear you. I I seriously yeah, I I have that that kind of memory. It's like, "Oh yeah, I can recite I can still recite The Lion King, but I oh, can't dude. I can't I can't honestly tell you what I had for dinner last night. I, I just can't. I'm assuming it was barbecue. Actually, no. <laughs> Actually, I don't remember, so I can't <laughs> tell you for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, Tony's decision. Tony's sacrifice. We we get the, the constant I am inevitable from Thanos this episode, this movie. Mm-hmm. And then we have Tony's classic I am Iron Man. And for a split second, I thought we were going to get some Black Sabbath playing underneath. Just just for a split second. <laughs> that would have been kind of awkward. I, I, was, I was so hoping for that. Like, as the snap happens and, like, the power of the gems kind of causes, like, this ripple effect, you've got, like, this hard guitar riff from Black Sabbath. It's like, da 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 I don't know. I, like, I, I wanted... Just if you're gonna do that kind of a tribute, just go all out, you know. But it was such a, a beautiful recall to one of the most iconic lines of that first movie. And I'll be the first person to admit that I wasn't a big fan of the first Iron Man film. I still believe that Iron Man Two is the best out of the Iron Man trilogy. But that kind of nod is just so respectful and so timely and so perfect. I can't be upset at it. Yeah. It's a, it's, they, I think they struggled with that during filming. They really didn't know, they, uh, you know, didn't know what to do. And I think it's, at first he didn't even say anything when he, when he snapped his fingers. Oh, it's kind of like a old Han Solo and Carbonite kind of situation? Apparently so. Apparently so. And they went through several different things. I think it was an editor I heard that, said hey why doesn't he why doesn't he just say i am iron man and they're like okay and they put him in front of the thing and you know he snapped his fingers and says it um yeah so it, i think it worked perfectly i think that was you know not you know i am iron man wasn't his first words but it's the most his most profound words from throughout the mcu and to have it be his very last words is fitting it was it really was and you know, it, what was so funny about it, I, I don't know if it's, it, it's, it's not a funny haha. It's more like a funny interesting. I don't think I realized just how tiny Tony's hands are until I saw the gems on his hand. Yeah, and if you notice something, of course, I see screenshots all the time, you know, bootleg screenshots of this moment. Um, 
he has the gauntlet on his hands, but his fingers are exposed. So when, he, when he's snapping his fingers, it's his exposed fingers he's using to thing, which is crazy. It's just, it's, it's one of those things where you just kind of make it work as best you can, you know? And he, he, he made the most of, of his opportunities. He made them. He made he made the most of what he had, and ended up saving the day. And I think it was so cool what Pepper said to him when they were talking. Is like, you can rest now. Like for this whole time, he's been going through sleepless nights trying to figure out how to solve the world's problems, and now he doesn't have to do that anymore. He solved the ultimate problem, and, and, and- saved the universe. And it also ties back in with that great scene with him and Pepper when. You know, Steve and um, I keep wanting to call him Paul Rudd because he is Paul Rudd. He's, he's just playing Paul the character Rudd. Paul, of Scott Paul Lang. Rudd is just Paul Rudd in anything that he plays. <laughs> Paul Rudd is Ant Man. Um, so when you have you know Paul Rudd those... is crap bag. <laughs> oh God. Um, when you have those three show up to Tony's house and they're kind of haggling over you know the thing and Tony's like, Nah, I can't really figure this out. Whatever. And then as expected, you know, after they leave, he figures it out and he presents it to Pe- Pepper. And, you know, they have that great conversation that, you know, they understand that they have everything. They have what they want, but the rest mm-hmm. of the world does not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tony's, you know, understandably, I think it's a selfish move to maybe consider that. But it's also, I think, a thing that anyone would think about. It's like, I know if I go down this path, everything could go wrong, but I have to at least try. And I love that Peppers says in that moment, you know... Yeah, you could keep living, but could you ever rest? And it comes back around that, you know, when he's literally dying, she says, you know, now you can rest. Now, you know, you gave it all. You literally sacrificed everything, but his family is still there, and everyone else is still there, and Tony can rest. And that was really, it was inevitable, really. He was always going to be the one to lay it all down. What? You saying that it was inevitable? Um, no, I never make puns inevitable. I never make <laughs> puns that are in. Yeah, just I I can't word sometimes. The the puns just come naturally to me. <laughs> just happens. At, at, at just times, like they're inevitable. At at times, it just becomes the intergalactic pun coalition, if you will. Oh yeah, but uh, no, that's not going to be the case for now. Uh, Here's here's the interesting thing. This this was confirmed by the Russo brothers and then was later confirmed on Jimmy Kimmel by uh Tom Holland himself, which I, I love that clip. I don't really enjoy a whole lot of Jimmy Kimmel's interviews. I don't feel like he relates to his interviewees all that well. Um I feel like he talks at them instead of talking with them. Most, most of the time. a lot of those, a lot of those late night interviews are kind of cringy. Most of them. Mm, I like Jimmy Fallon's. Really, you're lo- you're, you're a Fallon fan. I, I hear a lot of hate for Fallon. I'm I I am a fan of Fallon. I have Jimmy Fallon tell me jokes on my Alexa. Like, <laughs> that, that's hey, a th- different different strokes for different folks. That's a thing. I, that's a thing. Amazon made a partnership with Alexa, and you can and you can ask Alexa to tell you a joke, or you could say Alexa, have Jimmy Fallon tell me a joke. 
that sounds like something Jimmy Fallon would do. It he's totally, everywhere. He was in Jurassic World in that yeah. one thing. Like he's yeah. everywhere. He does he, he does stuff like that. I love him for that. Okay, I wonder if I can actually get it to happen from across the room. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it or not. Because my 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 dot my 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 Alexa dot is on the other end of the room. But let me see let me see what I can do. Echo, maximum volume. Echo, have Jimmy Fallon tell me a joke. Okay, Jimmy, make him laugh. What's your grandma's favorite social media app? Instagramming. That's that's cringy. That's like, that's, <laughs> like, that's that's bad. I don't know if you guys were able to hear that. But your... not, I was able to hear it. And I'll, I'll make sure you guys can hear it too. <laughs> What's your grandma's favorite social media? Instagrammy. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I may have splashed a little happy juice into my caffeinated beverage, but that yeah, wouldn't be surprising. I, but, anyways, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, uh-huh. as opposed to Jimmy Fallon, he interviewed Tom Holland uh, to talk about uh, uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home, and he just happened to throw in a little conversation about Endgame as well, particularly that final sequence where you bring everybody together to say their goodbyes to Tony. And um, what was what was so funny was Tom said, I was so unaware of what was going on because they told me this scene was a wedding. <laughs> and of course appara- they did. apparently that was in the script as well. Like a lot of the actors were given a script that said this scene was for a wedding. And they apparently recorded it right after Infinity War. So it was one of the first sequences that was that was recorded. And uh, Tom is on set looking around and he like leans over to somebody who's next to him. And he goes, where's Robert? Like he has no clue what's going on. He's totally it. oblivious. And then like right before they start shooting, the Russo brothers come out and they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, this isn't a wedding, it's a funeral, so everybody be sad. And action. Like that that's how much of a curveball they threw at you. I don't think they even said whose funeral it was. They were like, it's a funeral. And they just they just threw everybody together out there and told them to be sad. And they did it a few times until they finally got it right, and boom, there it is. Man, that's that's the links they go to keep the secrets. It's it's pretty amazing, and honestly, that scene was pretty intense. Like I know that it was thrown on those actors at kind of the last minute, but to pretty much have everybody that's left in the MCU and their family, like the Bartons were there, the whole Barton family was there. Yeah, Aunt May was there. You know, you you've got the extended MCU there as well, and I think I counted at one point. It was over 30 people. I want to say like 35 to 37, something like that. That's how many people were in attendance at Tony's funeral. He left a really, really big mark. Not just in the MCU, but just in the people around him. You know? Okay, yeah, yeah. For a long time in those first couple of movies, he was rather introverted, didn't have a whole lot of friends. He had Hap, he had Pepper, that's about it. And to go from that to having a family with the Avengers just goes to show how much growth and development you had of his character over these 11 years. 
and what kind of lasting impression he left on everybody else for them to be there to honor him, even if they didn't know him that long or that well. I mean, obviously, Drax didn't know him that well. Fought alongside him for a few minutes at one point and lost. <laughs> but Drax yeah. didn't Drax didn't know him that well, but he was still at the funeral. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's just the kind of impact that he leaves on people. And it was a very it was a very somber but also very fitting farewell to Tony's character. I appreciated the attention to detail that they put in and also the little Easter eggs that they kind of threw in there. Ty Simpkins was there. Yeah. The kid from Iron Man 3 was at the funeral. Like, they they, they, they pulled out all the stops, as they should have. Yeah, that was great. I think that was, you know, getting some of those actors back, you know, in nice little details. Even if you didn't recognize him, which I think a lot of people didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't, because the kid's all grown up, you know? Yeah. Like, he, he, was, he was pretty young in Iron Man 3, and then he grew up some for Jurassic World in 2015, and now here it is 2019. He's a few years older now. Like, he's an adolescent now. And you you just it, it's hard to it's hard to place him, but uh, I really think that they put him there for a reason, and I don't think it's the last we've seen of Ty Simpkins' character. I'll put it that way. That'd be cool. Be cool. I don't know what he's doing now as an actor, but I'd love to see more of him. You know, and there's obviously a lot of people that could fill Tony Stark's shoes. You know, quite literally, um, and you know even Peter Parker in Spider-Man Far From Home is talking about someone needs to be the next Iron Man. Who's that going to be? You know, I hope they don't like right out of the gate because I think let Tony rest for a while and let Iron Man rest, but I think eventually you're going to see someone take up that mantle. And who could it be? Could could be it could be Harley. It would be interesting to see if if that's what happens. Apparently, he uh he's uh, Simpkins spoke with IGN about his appearance and he said it was so cool coming back. When they gave me the call that I was going to do it, I was freaking out and screaming in the car. At first, it wasn't confirmed that I was going to come back, and I didn't want to mess it up. So my mom was asking, what is it? What is it? And I couldn't tell her. (laughs) When asked why he thinks Harley was invited to the funeral and whether he stayed in touch with Tony, he added, I like to think that they did and that Tony was still taking care of him. Because for Harley, that bond was super close, and he was kind of his only father figure. So that's what I was thinking about in the funeral scene and how sad Harley would have been. Wow. He's a method actor. He really d- put a lot of thought into d- that. He, d- he does a good job and says, As for Iron Lad in the comics, the character leads the Young Avengers, which is a film project that has been rumored over the years. When asked if he would be up for playing the character and taking on the mantle, Simpkins said, Yes, 100%. I would love that. There's absolutely going to be like a new. There's going to be a Young Avengers or something along the lines because you've got, you've got uh, you know Cassie Lang, you've yeah, got that's true. You know you've got a, you know you've got Morgan Stark, you've got yeah you've got a lot of really young characters that can't do anything right now because they're still kids, but like in the future they're going to be up there. So here's and, here's here's an interesting thing. I I don't know that much about. Iron Lad from the comics, but um, apparently Iron Lad is also a younger version of Kang the Conqueror from the future. Really? I didn't know those characters were were the same. I didn't either. 
but they asked if he'd be willing to play a villain at some point, and Simpkins said, I'd do it without a doubt. Kang. So, Ty Simpkins playing Kang the Conqueror. I did not see that coming. I, I didn't either, because now I have to type in Kang the Conqueror to find out what he looks like. Oh, Kang the Conqueror is... Oh, he's a, he's the dude... Kang the Conqueror. Um, I, I think I'm getting... I'm getting him confused with... Uh, with... Uh, what's the what's the other one? The, 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 there's a dude... There's a dude that's just a floating head. I can't remember his name. Oh, I, um, I... Don't ask me, dude. I barely have all the characters from the movies down, <laughs> let alone the ones from... <laughs> from the comics. But this is interesting. Like... To think this far down the road is a really intriguing prospect. It shows that they have a lot of content still to go. Even with closing out Captain America's character, even with closing out Iron Man's character, there's still a lot more to be done. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's you... I don't know. The legacy of those characters, these original six, especially Tony Stark... It's going to be felt for a while, and, you know, how they deal with it and how these younger characters kind of take that up is going to be really interesting. Okay, so while we're talking about that, let, let's let's bring up a topic that you presented to our fans over at the IPC. Mm-hmm. Just just really quick. We, we, got, we, got a few, we got a few responses from a few different people. I'm going to read the uh, interactions that we got from Facebook, and you'll read the interactions that we got from Twitter. Because you pose a really interesting question about, you know, the future of the Avengers franchise and what they could be doing next, where they can go from here. And I really had to put a lot of thought into this because as I realized that with so many story arcs closing, there's still a lot of other stories that are still left to be told. You you published this on our on our Facebook and Twitter pages saying you're tasked with selecting the members of the core Avengers that will appear in the next Avengers film, Avengers 5. You can pick up to six heroes. You can't bring anyone back to life. And none of them can be from the original team. So it's a completely clean slate. Yeah, I was trying to... Not that I think that the the Avengers 5 lineup won't include anyone from the original six, because obviously Hulk, Thor, all those guys are still active in this universe. Right. But I'm like... I want to make it interesting. Like you got it. You can't just go and pick Hulk or Thor or whatever. You got to get out, think outside the box, and think about these new characters, these up and coming characters. And for my list specifically, and I'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, I was trying to like get those obscure ones, something you don't necessarily think about. Well, I don't know if I went necessarily obscure, but I tried to think of what the most logical options would be. And I think I did okay, but yeah, we'll yeah. we'll figure it out. So um, some of the responses that we got on Facebook were pretty interesting. Our friend Joey said that our new Avengers lineup would be Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Ant-Man, the Wasp, and Valkyrie. I like that. That's I think a, I think that's probably pretty close to what we'll actually get. I feel like it probably will be. It, it's very close. Do you want to alternate or just go through all of Facebook and then go through all of Twitter? We can alternate, I guess, a bit. Okay, okay. Um, I'll, I'll, up next, I'll go with Albie James, at Albie James on Twitter. Um, uh, they say uh, Captain Marvel, Pepper, as rescue, I guess, um, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, and Wanda. 
So, good little, good different power sets there. That is. That really is. Um, our friend Matthias says, Strange, Spider-Man, Black Panther, Falcon, Stature, Ant-Man, and the Wasp. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, Nate Combs on Twitter, at Kilted Beard. Great <laughs> great username there um says spider-man ghost rider wolverine scarlet witch human torch and captain marvel that is interesting Ooh, well i mean they've bought out 20th century fox yeah it's so... all on the table and i'm hoping i'm hoping one day ghost rider is getting his own show i think with with Diego with uh, uh, Gabriel Luna, so or did I hear? Did I did I just make that up? I'm pretty sure that's a thing. I can't remember. Um, but I'm hoping they'll make more acknowledgments to the TV shows, and we'll actually get you know some of them in the movies in the future. I'm looking that up right now. Do It's going to be a Hulu series. There you go. So it'll be actually a spinoff of Agents of Shield where he first appeared. Ghost Riders, Gabriel Luna to star in Hulu series, suiting up as Marvel's Ghost Rider. Interesting, because um, Hulu's already got a Marvel TV show or two, don't they? They've got Runaways and maybe something else that I'm not thinking of. Okay, I know, I know that there's another one, but I think it's on Freeform. I can't rem- I can't remember what it's called. Um, I know they're pulling out of Netflix, but they have some other irons and other fires that they're willing to keep, I guess. Oh, um Cloak and Dagger. Ah, yes. Okay, now I remember. Marvel's Cloak and Dagger is a show that's on Freeform, but I think you can find it on Hulu. Yes, you're correct. So that that's another one that's out there. I have not seen anything of Cloak and Dagger, but it actually looks really interesting. So I might give that a whirl. But yeah, it's set it's set in New Orleans, which is near me, so I would I I'm kinda interested in from that perspective. See, I've been meaning to watch NCIS New Orleans for that same reason, and also because Scott Bakula's on the show, but have I ever gotten around to it? No. 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 Ah oh, boy. Anyways. Well, who you got up next on yours? Well, uh it's it's a it's an old standby of ours. Our good friend Robin Glader says uh Strange, Spider Man, Captain Marvel Ant-Man, Wasp, and of course the MVP, Luis. <laughs> like, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna yes. talk them to death? The poor guy. The poor guy. He in the first Ant-Man, he's talking about, oh, you know, my mom died, my dad got deported, all this kind of stuff. But I got the van. Guess what? The van got destroyed in Ant- Endgame. He's got nothing now. Oh, I never thought of it like that. Really dark, I know. Man, you just gotta ruin it for everybody, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm just like that. I'm just like that. Alright, we got Jamie at the Child of Time, another great username on Twitter. Man, um, I feel like my username sucks now compared to some of these. I'm serious. I'm I'm envious. Um we got Captain Marvel, Spider Man, Black Panther, Valkyrie, Scarlet Witch, and the Wasp. See, as much as I love Valkyrie, I don't see her leaving New Asgard. Yeah, I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure how they're gonna like do that because I think a certain I think I think we're gonna assume after Endgame that all the characters, all the the big heroes are gonna show up. I don't think so. I think certain characters are have duties and certain things. I mean, even people like Doctor Strange, he's the Sorcerer Supreme. He has to protect the realms. Like, is he really gonna go off with the Avengers and you know fight whatever thing? I don't know. Um, I mean, apparently Valkyrie. not because a lot of the Avengers were unavailable during Spider-Man: Far From Home. Yeah, apparently Spider-Man's the only one that Nick Fury can call on. So, I mean, I know, I know, I'm kind of spoiling a little bit from the from the trailer there, but he's like, "What about this person? Unavailable. What about this person in space? What about this person? It's you, <laughs> like Bish, please. Like you've been it, to space. Get it through your fat head that the reason I came to you is because I got about a half a dozen different no's, and you're the low man on the totem pole. So yeah, you gotta save the day, brother." Oh, boy. Okay, so our friend Evan kind of um, cheated a little bit because I, I'm pretty sure this is more than six, but I'm uh, I'm kind of intrigued by everything that, that she went, that, that Evan went with. I said she because the one of the first options that he puts out there is Kate Bishop as Hawkeye. Oh, okay. Cassie Lang as Stature. Amadeus Cho as the Hulk. Ooh. Harley Keener as Iron Lad, Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel, Scott Lang as Ant-Man, Hope Van Dyne as the Wasp, and T'Challa, the Black Panther. Mm. So that's three, four, five, six, seven, that's eight. So, I don't know, stretching it a little bit there, Evan, but I'll give it because Cassie and Harley are a couple of options that are really, really interesting to me. I'd if- like to see that. I think, I think that could be... Avengers six or seven lineup. Well, I think by advancing Cassie's age by five years, she's probably pushing like what seventeen, eighteen, something like that. I don't know. I always she assume, was like she was pretty little in Ant Man, but, but she's like you know, a, she's she like, looked she looked she's at least like fifteen, sixteen at least. I, I'm thinking I'm thinking sixteen at the youngest. I, yeah. I I was thinking you know ten or eleven in Ant Man and the Wasp, which would you know five years forward, five and a half years forward, would be around sixteen, seventeen. So yeah, I mean if if Harley's kind of in the late stage teenage years, similar to Peter Parker, I mean there's there's a chance we might see you know a a younger uh, Avenger start to assemble and being led by the likes of Iron Lad and Spider-Man. So, who knows? I'd be I'd be intrigued to see if that happens. It's possible. Very possible. Um, what we got up next? Is it me now? I think it's to you, my friend. All right. All right. Um um there's we've got Karen McNulty um at KM something another. Um I'm not even going to pay this guy much attention because his first one is Batman. We had one like that over on Facebook, too. <laughs> so I'm just going to skip that one. Get, get, a, load, not... get a load of this. Our, uh, 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 Brian Trinidad. I don't think Brian's <laughs> ever contributed to the show before, either. I think this is the first time he's ever interacted with IPC, was for this. And his <laughs> list... <laughs> listen to this. Batman. Shazam. Swamp Thing. <laughs> Magneto. U.S. Agent. I don't even know who the hell U.S. Agent is. <laughs> and the Wasp. Oh, my gosh. 
Like, I get that Batman is kind of in need of a new gig right now, but we're kind of in need of a new Batman before he's in. He's going to get a new gig, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to skip over to Tristan at Centurion Irons. Um, he says, Sam, Wilson, you all know why. Carol, T'Challa, Valkyrie, Rhodey, and Peter P. Parker. So, uh... There you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, our friend Alessio has Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, Ant-Man, Wasp, Kamala Khan, and Photon. So there's some new there's characters. Some obscure ones. There's in some there. obscure ones and, and some some kind of out there that's like, ooh, that that would be interesting if that's the way things go. But yeah, you got to introduce those characters. Before you can even, you know, have them in the in the Avengers, right? So that's that's a pretty good list, though. I like that, Alessio. Um, we got uh, Joe J at Joe J underscore twenty five on Twitter. He says Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch, Black Panther, Ant Man, Doctor Strange, and Spidey. <laughs> Not Spider Man, Spidey. Spidey, that's a new character. Spidey. Spidey. Into the Spideyverse. <laughs> Who's that Spidey? Oh, is it, is it is it is it is it is it Toby Maguire? Is it Andrew Garfield? Who are we talking about here? It's Miles Morales. That's who it is. Ah, uh-huh. that's see that's now that they've opened up this alternate dimension exactly. thing. Exactly, exactly. I was talking about that with Jake Damon the other day. He was talking about. You know, now that we've got the opportunity to open up parallel universes, we should bring in Tom Hardy's Venom. And I'm thinking, please, we need to bring in Miles freaking Morales, man. But I don't know. I, I'd be okay with either or both. But considering the success of Into the Spider-Verse, I think I'd rather see Miles Morales. But yeah, it is what it yeah. is. So our our friend and our patron and our, our longtime listener, Joey May, says, assuming the original team are those shown in the image... My choices then become Falcon, Winter Soldier, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, War Machine, Ooh. and Spider-Man. I think that's the first mention of War Machine we've had so far. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're going to see War Machine again for a while. I think he may be retired. I think I think know? Rhodey might be heading into semi-retirement, but if which he, he earned it, he earned it. Oh, so. for sure, for sure. I mean, he got paralyzed in the line of duty i think he's definitely earned some time off absolutely um up next i'm looking at uh, mh at o underscore puts i'm sorry i'm not reading that that's just that's just too much um (laughs) (laughs) it's it's o underscore p t i m u s h W A N G. That's that's all you're getting. Um, number six, Doctor Strange. Number five, Spider Man. Number four, Black Panther, Falcon, Scarlet Witch, and Captain Marvel. Okay. Okay. It's a good lineup. I like that. I'm okay with that. How many more do you have over there on the Twitterverse? Um, I have a bunch. I'm not sure I'm going to get through them all, to be honest, because I didn't realize this 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 tweet went viral. Did it we really? Whole, we got a bunch of things here I, punch. I i don't think i, I mean that's what i was hoping for that's right. what i was hoping for when i posted i'm like this might get some attention um and it apparently it did interesting very interesting 
Well, uh, okay. Then let's go ahead and just jump into ours then, because I think I think people are going to want to hear what our six are. That's fine. That's fine. You, you can find them on Twitter. They're all over Twitter. Go find us at IPC Podcast. There's our plug for social media right there. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so if you want to keep in touch with us, that's the place to do it. Yep. All right. So uh, our new Avengers. Uh, I got to admit, I really had to think about this one because... There's there's a lot of potential out there. Guardians Volume 2 introduced the idea of Adam Warlock. We mentioned Valkyrie. Obviously, Ant-Man and the Wasp aren't really doing a whole lot except saving the world. Um, there, there's there's a lot of potential out there. But uh, I'm, I, I think I have an idea of, of who our next six are going to be. But uh, hmm, it's no guarantee, that's for sure. You want to you go first, run through your trip? Yeah, I can. I can. Um, I think Spider-Man's going to be back. I think he's got way too many stories still left to tell that he's going to have to be in the next set of Avengers films. Um, I think Doctor Strange is going to come back. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have Black Panther again. He's part of that new phase. Uh, Scarlet Witch is going to be one of the last holdouts from the old regime, or older regime, if you will. Uh, I think we're going to have a new Captain America with Falcon taking up the shield. And I think we're going to get Captain Marvel to come back. I, I don't think you introduce her just so she can go off and save other parts of the universe again. I think when it's time to assemble the Avengers, you've got to bring her back too. I completely agree. I think she's going to be one of the leaders in this next one. I think you're going to have a you're going to have a, you know, Doctor Strange. I think I think the big the new big 3 will be Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, I think. Who are your other 3 then? Um okay, that wasn't that that wasn't mine. Oh, okay. The, Okay. That, that, well, I, that's my speculation of what I think will happen. What I want to happen is the following. Oh, well, if that's how we're doing it, then I need to redo my list. I did it based on what I expect to happen, not what I want to happen. Well, I'm just having fun with this. I want Winter Soldier in there, dude. I want Adam Warlock in there. I want Wolverine in there, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Who, who I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to throw you off. <sighs> Who are your six? All right, nine number six are, and I'm not saying when you hear my list, you'll understand where I'm coming from here. Um, number my first, of course, Sam Wilson, Captain America. I think he's he's a given. I think we're gonna see him back. Um, and he he's one that I want to see. Um, Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, of course. Um, Valkyrie, which I'm not expecting, but I would like to see her in that. Um, Matt Murdock, Daredevil. Ooh, that's one that I really, really want. Ooh. Um, I am totally not expecting it, considering how Marvel treats its TV shows, superheroes. Right, but how that's how it is. Um, Hope Van Dyne, Wasp. I think she'd be great. I think we've got a lot of Ant Man so far. I'd love to see her in the Avengers instead. Maybe, maybe Ant Man is take, taking a break. He's a stay at home dad. Maybe I don't know. Um, and then my last one, Howard the Duck. Uh. <laughs> I just think my theory is that he he came to Earth on the in the portal scene. He's there. He's fighting, and then he just got left behind, or he just decided to stay. And he's just hanging out on Earth, and he ends up hooking up with the Avengers because to help save the world again. That would be pretty funny because he's made some glorified cameos, and I think he's had his own movie at one point. It's just not part of the MCU. No, it's not. It'd be funny if it was though. Well, now it can be. Now that we have uh, different, uh, d- 
different universes now and timelines. Right. Right. The whole idea of multiverse and multiple timelines, anything's possible. It's, I mean, it's entirely possible that uh, the everything that's transpired in the 20th Century Fox X-Men has just been in a parallel timeline. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a splinter timeline because of something that happened, you know, whatever. And the Avengers disbanded as a way of, you know, protecting people with powers. And then, you know, a few years later, Charles Xavier decided, to heck with that. I'm going to form this school. You know, whatever. Whatever. It, it doesn't matter. But uh, let, let's let's finish up our discussion of, of the actual movie, you know, mm-hmm. this this segment of Avengers. Uh, final thoughts and our planet score, and then uh, one kind of little celebration that I think we need to, to make a, a small note of, at least, for tonight, and then uh, potentially talking more about it uh, a little bit later, further down the line. So uh, final thoughts, and how do you rate this movie after one viewing? Um, as I've, as I've alluded to, as I've kind of talked here, there, all over tonight, um, I really enjoyed this movie. I had some mixed feelings coming out of the theater. Those mixed feelings have been, I've, I've come to terms with them and, you know, I've, I've felt better about this movie. The more I've read interviews and stuff like that, a lot of my contention was the time travel element and all that stuff. Um, you know, we're, you know, it's, it's been interesting to kind of see the whole fallout from this movie and see people kind of confused and then kind of come back. And I've been one of those people that just kind of, you know, has had a better understanding of this, the plot of this movie after the fact. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to hopefully tomorrow I'm going to go back and see the movie again and with kind of some fresh eyes, knowing what's going to happen, not going to be confused. You know, and I think that's always a different experience. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I really enjoyed this movie. I think, it, I think it's everything that it could have been. I think, there's not. I don't have much to complain about in regards to like just the content that we've got and the characters and the interactions and you know the endings for a lot of these characters. I think it really did a great job of giving a satisfying ending to a lot of these characters. Of course, some of them that we're going to see again. Thor, <clears throat> obviously, is going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Hulk is still around. Um, Hawkeye probably retired, but we'll probably see him again too. Like a lot of them are still around, but you know. Iron Man's dead, and I think that's a pretty final death, and I think it was a good one. And I think it was a great way to see him go out. And for Captain America, I think they couldn't have really done much better, even though, yeah, the time travel element is weird. It doesn't make a lot of sense. They kind of break their own rules with what they have established with him coming back to the present as an old man, but it's nice to have, you know, the the, the implication that perhaps he got to live his life just as Tony did for five years like I think both those characters kind of got a little bit of a little bit of a happy ending so it's great I think Endgame overall is a great film not without its problems not without its points of contention not without its points of controversy as we've talked about tonight but overall as I've said with Infinity War Infinity War could have been a disaster and it wasn't this movie also could have been a freaking nightmare it could have been terrible but it wasn't great it's well put together the people that made this movie knew what they were doing and they made something that was very coherent albeit imperfect which is the deal with 99 percent of movies so i'm not gonna hold that against it i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it an 8.5 out of 10 okay okay i think that's fair um 
I, I've been struggling a lot with how I wanted to rate this movie because when we went back and looked at our ratings for Infinity War, you gave it a 9.9 out of 10. And I gave Infinity War a 9.5. Apparently, you and I really, really loved Infinity War. I don't give, <laughs> I don't give away ratings at 9 or above that often. It's, it's a pretty rare thing for me. So to give it a 9.5 is a pretty pretty high praise. Um, but there were quite a few things about this movie that I wasn't as big a fan of. The the gratuitous female heroes scene. Um, the A lot of the time travel, you know, loopholes that they went through. A lot of, you know, certain writing styles. The five-year time jump. There was a lot about it that felt like the pacing was off and... You know, certain character development was off just a bit. Uh, Ant-Man got way too much screen time, in my opinion. You know, there's just a lot of elements here and there that when you look at them individually, it's not that big a deal. But when you pile them one on top of another, you start to realize that this movie isn't perfect. It, it It is probably one of the farthest things from perfect, which is kind of disappointing because I was hoping that the sequel, the follow up, would actually be more impactful than Infinity War, but I still stand by this idea that I think I enjoyed Infinity War a lot more than I've enjoyed Endgame. Endgame was very satisfying for the MCU. Infinity War was a very satisfying movie. I was satisfied with the way that they lost. I was satisfied with the effort that they gave. I was satisfied with the idea that the villain actually won for a change. You know, a lot of those elements are really great. And in another sense, I was satisfied with this movie because it tied up a lot of loose ends that have been standing there in these other movies for years. Mm -hmm. And we tied up all those things. He gets to reconcile with his dad in a certain way. He gets to have the family that he and Pepper have always wanted. Cap gets to have the life. He gets to have the dance with Peggy. You know, he gets to have all these different things. And it's like this super fulfilling moment or collection of moments, along with some extremely well choreographed fight scenes and some clever writing. You know, going behind the scenes from New York and seeing elements of New York from a different perspective, a different point of view, felt a lot like things that we saw from Back to the Future 2. You know, in Back to the Future 2, you're seeing elements of Back to the Future 1 just from a different point of view as they try and save time. And they're kind of doing that in this movie. And they're openly admitting to this is what they're doing. They make Back to the Future references in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, and sometimes it was it was pretty funny and it was clever. And then at other times it was just kind of beating you over the head with it. And so... I really was struggling with how I wanted to rate this movie because I don't think it's a nine, but I don't think it's an eight either. But I think if I had to pick, it would probably be closer to a nine than it was to an eight. So, you know, looking at that and also looking at the score that I gave to infinity war, I I think a a good number to give this would be an 8.8 out of 10. That's fair. That's very fair. 
I I I don't usually go in between halves like that. It's usually like an eight, eight point five, nine, nine point five. But in the case of Endgame, I kind of have to make an exception. And don't yeah. get me wrong, I'm looking forward to getting it on disc and watching it again. What I'm really looking forward to is watching these two movies back to back because I haven't That's... done that yet. I'm actually considering doing that tomorrow if I have a time. I want to watch Infinity War and then go to the theater and watch Endgame and see how they flow together. I'd really like to see that. That's one of the next things on my list. But I don't think I'm going to go and watch it a third time just because I'm feeling rather antisocial lately. Um, and I've just <laughs> been just... It is three hours is a big commitment, as we've talked about. It's a big commitment, and it's a big commitment to be getting, getting that invested with strangers. And so I'm just like, eh, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know you people. I don't want to hang out with you for three hours. It's like Patrick from SpongeBob. Who are you people? <laughs> um, as a point of reference, some Endgame pod panelists gave it as much as a 10. Uh, some gave it as low as an 8.5. I think on my panel I got an 8.6. There was also a 9.75, a 9, a 9.8. Um there, there's, it's kind of all over the board, but the lowest this movie got was an 8.5 mm-hmm. from, from you and from Jeff, I believe. So, overall, this movie's been pretty well-received. Yeah. I, th- I think overall, it's been, it's been very well-received and it's been enjoyed um, by people from all walks of life, which is really cool. And um, I, I, like, we, like we talked about early, I, I don't know if it's going to catch Avatar, but... The fact that it made it all the way to number two is pretty damn impressive. It yeah, it's it's even if it doesn't break Avatar's record, it's still mighty, mighty impressive. Okay, well let's take it one step further then. Not just talking about who the new Avengers are going to be, uh, but let's talk about some of our favorite moments from this Avengers movie, mm-hmm. particularly when it comes to quotes. A um, lot of quotable moments, but. Not a whole lot of them available online as of yet. The Russo brothers have okayed us to talk spoilers, but they haven't okayed, you know, a whole lot of clips or anything like that for us to play. We did find one that we might play for you guys, but it wasn't exactly like my favorite moment or anything like that. But the interesting thing is a lot of these moments are either nonverbal or they're not like super dialogue heavy. So it can be kind of hard to pick something especially having only seen it once or twice right it's it's hard it's hard i do there, there was a lot of good dialogue in here and, and and a lot of good just back and forth between the characters and characters we haven't seen really together um that much um so yeah i yeah i don't know if you have any favorites but i, I got a couple um well okay so there's one that I think might be a little too obvious, but it's also a scene that we really haven't talked about that much uh, for this episode. Mm-hmm. It's when uh, when Cap gets a hold of the scepter. He's, oh, yeah. He, he's in the elevator, and he whispers to them, Hail Hydra. Love that scene. That scene is so great, and it totally subverts. You think he's it's shot, of course, it's the Russo brothers again. Yeah. So they're, they shoot the exact same way that they did with the Winter Soldier elevator scene. And you think it's going to go that way. And then he just leans over, Hail Hydra. And <laughs> you see him next walking away with the, with the briefcase. And Sitwell's like looking like, what just happened? Well, I mean, it's a great 
it's a great tie-in to uh, Winter Soldier because if he had been able to do that in Winter Soldier, he wouldn't have had to have the elevator fight scene at all. Exactly. Yeah, he he would have, you know, hindsight, he would have been able to, to walk out of there and go, oh, hail Hydra, yeah, I'm with you guys. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that was one of the biggest twists in that movie. Probably the biggest twist. One of the biggest in twists in all of the MCU. Very true. Very true. But that actually wasn't the quote I was thinking of. Oh. It's what comes just after that. He's... Um, <laughs> He he's he's in the walkway, and uh-huh. he he sees his counterpart, the the him of his past, which I thought that would cause some sort of rift in the time space continuum to be. I did too. Interacting with yourself from your past, um, but I love how he like lands the he lands the first blow, and twenty twelve Cap stands up and he's like, I could do this all day. And Steve's just like, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I've heard this. <laughs> he's just so, so done. He's fed up with himself. He's, he's like, ah. Like, oh. like he's, he's annoyed by his own catchphrase. <laughs> so not only do we get Iron Man's phrase with I am Iron Man, but we also get Cap's catchphrase, I could do this all day. And he's like... I'm- yeah, I know. Like, he's just done. I love that so, line. I love, I love that scene. It was that's that's looking back on it. I love that scene. In the moment, I was thinking the same thing as you are. I'm like, how does this not break everything? How does this not break the universe by having these two meet? Like they, they like you know, that's that's the crux. That's the ultimate thing you don't do when you time travel is meet your former self. And right. he did it. Yeah, that's that's exactly what he did. You're not supposed to interact with the you of your past, but conveniently Loki had just dressed up or or impersonated Captain America, like literally just done that. So it's kind of a cop out because he doesn't think that he's actually fighting with himself. He thinks that he's fighting Loki. Right, right, and and but but you have Cap diffuses the situation by telling him Bucky's alive. Yeah. And you've got to wonder, I mean, yeah, okay, within the rules of this universe, within the rules of this movie, this is a new timeline that's been created because this Cap is going to be on a different path now. He's going to be like, okay, this guy told me that Bucky's alive. I'm going to go try to find him. Like, that that changes, I would think, changes a pretty good bit. Yeah, I mean, considering this is the same timeline that Loki escapes in, this is probably the one alternate timeline that I really don't know how you're going to repair it. Yeah, it's like like that's a timeline that like they could come back in and like somehow port over to that timeline like in the present day and it's going to be messed up because there's going to be so many things different because they never got Loki, Loki never went back to Asgard, you know, all this stuff never happened because of these one or two things, you know, and who knows. I <laughs> I'm hoping that this is how we get the Loki series. Like, I think I think they set it up with this. Like, I think it that's a pretty starts cool with him reappearing after his transportation of the Tesseract. So we may get to explore this timeline a little bit more, depending on how they set that up. But I feel like that's the direction they're going to go. Yeah, yeah, that seems like he's got the space stone. He can he can go around and 
do stuff. Yeah, he's they're they're definitely gonna play in on that. That that you know, yeah, he's dead in the present time, but he's alive in this alternate universe. So who knows? Um, did you have another quote, or, or, or should I, mean, I share mine? That was that was probably like my my big one. I mean, I'm I'm a big Captain America fan. You know that that's kind of my thing. I kind of like the interaction between Peter and Gamora of 2014 because it's not the same romance that we know from Guardians Volume Two. Mm-hmm. And Gamora is just like, it's this. It this is the one. And Nebula is like, it was between him or a tree. <laughs> Love it. And another big thing there that we didn't really touch on, and I think a lot of people missed, Gamora is gone at the end of that. They're searching for Gamora, so that's going to be kind of the, the plot of Volume 3 is them looking around for this alternate universe Gamora from that doesn't know them. So there's there's definitely a lot to explore. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The the for me, the big quote that really that, that came to mind first off um was a couple the main one involves Wanda and Thanos in the big battle yeah and you have of course Wanda is still pissed still pissed because you know you can imagine for her it was like 5 minutes ago she lost vision um so yeah she's getting another crack at Thanos she's mad and she just rocks up you took everything from me and i love Thanos's response I don't even know who you are. <laughs> and you just like, this is a alternate Thanos. He's just fighting these people based on what he saw from Nebula's memories. He doesn't know any of these people. He's, you know, that Thanos is dead and gone. I love that, you know, she is, she hates him because of what he's going to do in the future. Um, which is great. And of course, Wanda's response you will. You will know who I am. And she does because he, 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 I think he does the whole rain fire thing when she starts taking off his armor. Like, she's really giving it to him. She does. And and that's that's one of the interesting things is it, it, it blends really great writing, like the I don't even know who you are, you will, and then jumps right into really great action sequence. Yeah. And so that one would be really hard to stitch into the quote of the night anyways because you can't see what happens next. You can really only imagine. And so, you know, just just another reason why you need to go watch this movie. <laughs> exactly. Go watch for the two people that have not seen this movie yet. You know who you are. Go watch it. You need to go spend about a uh, 100 million dollars each to help <laughs> Endgame catch up with Avatar. We all need to do our part to help hey, Endgame beat Avatar. I, I, I did my part. I contributed about twenty five, thirty bucks. Me too. I'm 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 gonna contribute about fifteen bucks tomorrow. So uh yeah. <laughs> well, and like only a buck fifty of that goes to your local movie theater, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's the sad thing. That's why concessions are so expensive, man. I feel like we've talked about this on the show before, but I learned that the movie industry really, really, really kind of screws over the movie theater industry. They take, like, 90% of the ticket price, no matter what, whether it's 3D or IMAX or just regular 2D, you know, whatever the situation is, you could be paying 15 bucks, and the movie theater only gets a buck fifty out of that. Mm-hmm. That's why concessions are so expensive. That's how they make a bulk of their money. You don't make it from your showings. You could sell out... You know, a hundred people in that theater at fifteen bucks a ticket, and you're only making 
150 bucks. That's why, um, no, that math isn't right, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 150 bucks. I, 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 I don't do math, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. I'm a communications major, okay? I focused on public relations, journalism, broadcasting for a reason. Egg don't ask me to do out. math. No, 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 don't, don't. don't. Kids. Remember, I know you got to get through school. You're gonna have to learn algebra. You will never use it. You really I've had won't. teachers tell me that. Like you will never use it. <laughs> Math is essential, but not all of it. Um, I'll just put it out there. But yeah, just, just yeah. Stay in school. Do what your teachers ask of you. But then once you get to college, if you make it that far, you can pretty much study whatever the heck you want. I all haven't right. taken a math class in about five or six years and uh, I'm still working on a career path so you can do it without math <laughs> yep just whatever whatever works for you whatever works for you okay so I've got this little clip queued up for you guys we may as well play it yeah um it's the it's the scene in the diner where we meet Professor Hulk and it was released on YouTube, which is why we can release it. I could I could dig up some other clips, but they wouldn't be good quality, and we'd probably get sued. I don't want to do that. This has been officially released by Marvel, so we can play it for you. And it's been edited down a bit. You can tell if you've seen the movie, you know that there's stuff missing. But I think it's a pretty good clip if you guys would like to hear it. I know I would. Anything from this movie, I'd be okay hearing. Cool. Bring cool. it on. So- so, without further ado, here is one of tonight's Quote of the Night. For years, I've been treating the Hulk like he's some kind of disease, something to get rid of. But then I start looking at him as the cure. 18 months in the gamma lab. I put the brains and the brawn together. And now look at me. Best of both worlds. Excuse me, Mr. Hulk? Yes. Can we, can we get a photo? 100%, little person. Come on, step up. Okay, thanks. Say green. 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 Did you get that? That's good. Do you want to grab one with me? I'm Ant-Man. They're Hulk fans. Wait, they don't know no, Ant-Man. No. Oh, he nobody, feels does. Bad. nobody does. No, he wants you. I he wants to take a picture with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah look, should. he's even saying no, he doesn't. I but get come it. Come on, the kid. I don't want it but either. It, but you, I don't want a picture with but them. But he's going to feel bad. Sorry. They're happy kids. They said they'll do it. Right. I don't want to do it. Right. No, 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 you feel bad. Thank you, Mr. Hulk. No, great kids. Thank you very much. Hulk out. One of the things missing from that clip is the Hulk dab. Which is a travesty. A travesty. One of the best moments in the film. uh, Really? (laughs) Really? It is, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm standing by that. Never mind Thanos' surprised face when he snaps and nothing happens. Here's the theory. Here's, Here's the deal. Number one, Hulk dab. Number two, Avengers Assemble. That's my that's my top top two scenes in in Endgame. Okay. <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> okay. I really Okay, here's here's the thing. <laughs> I considering how well you and I have clicked all this time. We still end up diverging just a little bit here and there. 
<laughs> just a tad. Just, just, just a, a tad. And that just... leads to some really, really awesome conversations. And it leads to some really great moments. But it also leads to a lot of really great memories. Because mm-hmm. if you guys don't know, May the 10th of 2019 officially marks five years of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. Wow. Wow. Five years. Our launch date, our pilot episode debuted on May the 10th, a Saturday of 2014. That was back in the day when we pre-recorded our episodes and then said, quote unquote, broadcasting now. Because we didn't say live now. We technically weren't live. But that was back in the day when we did Saturday night episodes here on channel 1138.com. And back in the day when we pre-recorded our stuff on, like, Thursday or Wednesday or Friday, something like that, and then actually broadcasted it on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I would be live in the chat and be, like, chatting it up with people. I'd be like, wow, this is so weird hearing my own voice. <laughs> to sell to sell the illusion, what we do. It was very surreal, but also very, very fun to get the ball rolling and, and kind of, you know, figure out what it means to be a podcast host. You know, we had this vision, we had this idea of wanting to talk about movies and franchises other than Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That was that was kind of the goal, was it not? Like, you and I were talking about how cool it would be to talk about stuff other than Star Wars, but we just didn't really have a place to do it. And that's more or less how the IPC podcast was formed. Yeah, because we, you know, obviously... Uh... The Star Wars Underworld is is one of the reasons we met. One, yeah, you know, probably probably the reason, um, because the first time I've told the story before, but I'll, I'll tell it again because I like telling the story. Um, the first time I ever actually heard your voice, I actually ever talked to you, I believe, was on a little thing that I put on. I think it was kind of for the Star Wars Underworld, but it was actually for our good friend Dave Gramillion. and it was a. It was a roundtable discussion, correct me if I'm wrong here, about one of his books that he wrote. It it might have been. I know that I was a guest panelist on that, but I feel like there was also an episode, I can't remember if it was before or after that, when you guys interviewed me about my old Facebook page, Quote of the Day. Really? Because I, I, think, See, the, I think the only reason I warranted an invitation to the to the Dave Gramillion panel was because you guys had talked to me previously about quote of the day. That probably is a, but I don't know if I was on that show. That may be. Cause that, I think that, that's, for, that's entirely possible. And see, that was the early days of star Wars and world podcast. I was very not there a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, my schedule was just all over the place and I couldn't make it. And it was kind of, Chris kind of held on the Ford and there were some other hosts that came in and eventually it kind of converged to just be, me, Chris, and Dominic were the only ones left, right. and now we host the show together. Um, but so I don't think I was on that. I have no memory of that. I would love to look that up one day, maybe, because <laughs> that would be a grand piece of little history Dude, for like, you. I I can only imagine how terrible I must have sounded on that because that must have been like 2012 or something like that. I can imagine I was, how terrible everyone sounded on that. I was that. fresh out of that. high school back in 2012. I really didn't know what I was doing or where I was going. I don't think I even had a microphone at the time. I think I just I think I just talked into my computer. 
Like Most people do when they first start podcasting. It's like they don't you you don't know that you're supposed to have like a decent mic to do this thing. <laughs> like I did with I I did podcasting for several years with just a stupid gaming mic that someone gave me. Yep. Like this crappy thing that yep. hurt to wear and was just awful sound. Um but that's you do what you got to do, you know, to get it. Um but getting back to my story. Right. I heard your voice for the first time, I'm pretty sure, on that little roundtable discussion. And, in fact, what was funny is, I don't know what would think, but it was like something I did in the middle of the day, and being the way my job is and everything like that, I had to step away. Like, something was happening, and I had, like, I'm sorry, guys, I'm going to have to go. And I was kind of moderating it. And you stepped in and, like, took over and just started moderating it in my place Lo and behold, we were already kind of in jive with each other, even though we really didn't know each other at the time. Dang. Um. So, like, you took over, and you were super professional about it and made it work, and it was great. And after the fact, I just, it just you just stuck in my brain. I'm like, that dude is good at this. He's good. Like, I'd like to do more stuff with him. Mm. And that's just how it evolved. Wow. Of course, we got to know each other through Clone Wars and stuff like that, and you were just a part of the community. And then, hey, one day, hey, let's start a podcast. Wow. Okay. I I have very little recollection of that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the discussion, and I remember at one point uh, I made this, this correlation between one of Dave's characters and Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid. Oh, boy. It, it, it was one of these moments where Anakin is learning about saber dueling and his mentor is basically like dodging and ducking him and, and all this sort of stuff. Right. And and uh, I was like, this reminded me a lot of the whole uh, wax on, wax off from from the Karate Kid. And he wrote me a private message and he was like, yes, exactly. <laughs> And, yeah, knowing Dave, that was intentional. Yes, I'm sure it was. Knowing Dave, it absolutely was. But to to get that kind of confirmation in the moment just really jazzed me up and kind of energized me. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm reading this correctly. I can actually have good conversation about this. Let's do it. And from there, it just turned into like just a really a really great evening. And and that's the part that I remember. I don't remember the the moderation as much as just having fun. You know. Mm-hmm. It, it turned into something that was really, really fun to do. And I, I remember going away from that night and thinking, these guys get to do this, like, all the time. How cool is that? And yeah. it probably took, like, another year before I got up the guts to, to ask Chris if I could do something on Channel 1138. And he mm-hmm. was like, yeah, totally. And I was like, really? I don't have to audition or anything like that? And he's like, nah, just give it a <laughs> shot. See what happens. <laughs> And so, you know, a lot of the credit goes to him as well, because if we didn't have that platform available to us, then IPC might have been dead in the water. Yeah, because, like, because like we, we now, of course, we have, you know, Podbean. We have a established listenership via iTunes and, you know, Google Play and all this kind of stuff. We didn't have that when we first started. No, we didn't. Like, it was just on Channel 1138. It, it was took, just, like, what, 100 episodes before we finally launched on iTunes or something like that? Around there, yeah, it really did, and it was just you know, and it, it, for anybody who's been in this little quote unquote business, like you know, it takes it's a lot of overhead sometimes to get a podcast off the ground and yep. have it hosted in different places and all that kind of stuff. It took us a while to actually get there, but in the meantime, we were broadcasting on channel eleven thirty eight and had the platform and we could do it for free, 
And, you know, Chris gave us that platform, which can't thank him enough. I mean, there, there's so many people that I, that I would want to thank for getting us this far. You know, I mean, obviously we've got a lot of longtime listeners who have been with us since, like, day one. Um, people like – I'm pretty sure Jeff White was a day Jeez. one. I can't, I'm remember, sure Je- I can't remember Jeff and Kenny not being here. <laughs> yeah. Yep, Kenny Crayley's a longtime supporter, been here since pretty much day one. Uh, George Rivera has been a longtime listener and been with us live a whole, whole lot. Um, Chris jumps in when he's able to and contributes in the chat. Jake Damon's been a longtime contributor here on the show. Uh, Dominic's been able to jump on when there's conversations that are are pertinent to him as well, talking Harry Potter, talking Star Wars, uh, talking Doctor Who back when we talked about Doctor Who back in the day. You know, it, it's been a really cool outlet for other people as well. You know, we've helped kind of inspire and launch other programs that are similar to ours. Uh, the guys over at Star Wars Wastelands, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Sean and and Johnny and, and Thomas, you know, they've done a whole bunch of spinoff programs and they have said that they're trying to do it in the vein of IPC as far as discussions and quotes and uh, rating the movies and things like that. Like... We're now at a place where we've been around long enough to inspire other people to podcast. That's like the greatest compliment that I, that it that really so, is to hear someone say, "Yeah, I listened to you, and I was inspired to start my own podcast." Like that's the greatest compliment. Like, dude, it's it's inspiring enough to hear from people saying, "Like, I may not be able to join you live, but I listen as often I- as I can." You know, I love getting updates from people like Joey Mays who are listening throughout the course of the week, and he'll just basically be live tweeting his listen to the episode. It's, the, it's so funny. He'll, it's so he'll, funny. He'll provide love, like commentaries and gifts, and it'll be like an entire thread almost talking about how much he's enjoying our conversation. And we're literally just sitting here at a table in two different states, two different parts of the world, if you will, talking about the same thing. And then here are all these other people that are listening to us talking about the same thing. It's just so surreal when you break it down. And yet we've been doing it for five years now. It's crazy. Half a decade. I'll tell you, I have had a longer relationship with this podcast than I have had with any romantic interest. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Oh, boy. I will be lucky if I make it to five years. I'll be lucky if I make it to one year, damn it. But this show has just stood the test of time. Throughout traveling, throughout scheduling difficulties, throughout you know planning and figuring out what we're going to talk about. You know, There was a time when we didn't even have a plan. We'd just be like, oh, hey, let's talk about right. this. Oh, hey, this is somewhat relevant. Oh, hey, have you seen this movie? Yeah, I've seen this movie. Great, let's talk about this movie. There was a lot of spontaneity right off the bat, and then I think about two years ago, we started coming up with like a plan for what we're going to do each month, and like by November of 2018, we already had about 70 to 80% of 2019 filled mm-hmm. in. And I think that's just a testament to the listenership. You know, you guys have given us an idea of what you want us to talk about, and we do our best to deliver that on a regular basis. And part of that involves making sure that we have the right things that you guys want to hear and then us actually coming on and bringing you that content. Oh, yeah. That's that's the biggest thing is is hearing from you guys, hearing, you know, your 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 live tweets, your 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 reviews, your Facebook posts, whatever it is. 
it's always just super rewarding to hear from you guys and you know you know know that you're enjoying the show and as i've i've said before like you know podcasting can be kind of a weird thing where you never really know for sure if someone's actually listening but it's it's incredibly humbling to hear you guys and, and as i've said before some of you guys have even you know i had several people come in to be a cel- star wars celebration chicago that said hey i listened to ipc i really enjoyed it and that's the best that's the, to hear people in person say it is is crazy um but yeah it's it's just been it's been great wonderful and yeah we still got more to come too oh for sure oh for sure i mean this is this is only episode 237 only episode only. 237 dude 237 episodes over the course of 5 years that's an ep- that's an average of 47.4 episodes per year man 48 49 50 51 52 so there's only about 5 weeks out of the year where we're not on the air crazy if if that isn't consistent I don't know what is. We, I mean, we we take some breaks. We we we're, we're, we we take some breaks yeah. from the holidays stuff like that. But most of the time, we we kick them out, and I'm proud of us. We're we're about as regular and consistent as any podcast I've known, and that's not to knock any other shows that take a week off here or a week off there. Every podcast is structured differently. Every podcast has a different way of going about doing their discussions and their length. I mean, come on. We're, our, our shows can be over two hours long oh, yeah. sometimes, most of the time. There are some shows that are only you know 60 to 90 minutes, and that's great. You're getting your stuff in there. But I've kind of started to see IPC more as like a form of talk radio than, a, than an actual podcast. Mm-hmm. And, and I, that, that, that's not to knock other podcasts. It's just that that's kind of how the show has evolved. We have a lot of thoughts. We have opportunities to take breaks, like music breaks, commercial breaks, potty breaks, whatever you want to call it. And we take input from our listeners, much like you would on talk radio or a morning talk show or something like that. We've kind of grown to the point that two to three hour episodes are fairly regular and normal for us because we just have that many thoughts and we have that many people who have said they want to hear mm-hmm. our thoughts. Absolutely. And so that's what we do. You know, our our uh, our two different intros that we've had have always been talking about our fans. Back when we did the Galaxy Quest theme, it was like co-starring you, the fans. That's that's exactly it, even with we, the voice and all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it literally was my voice. I tried to like deepen it and throw it off a little bit, and then when I like put it into post, I was like, "Oh crap, you can definitely tell that that's me." <laughs> But I just kind of rolled with it. I was like, okay, whatever. And then when we did this new theme, I wanted to make sure that we included a fan element in it. And so we actually got listeners. We got fans. We got contributors of the show to say IPC. Yeah. To say the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. That is how immersed we are with our fans and our listeners. We love you guys so much that we could not do what we do without your involvement, without your engagement. That kind of contribution is above and beyond what any host could ask for. And the the fact that so many of you have said you guys are more engaged with your listeners than just about any podcast I listen to just really encourages me that we must be doing something right. 
yeah, it's it, or at least or at least at least something different enough that it draws in the right people. I'll I put it that way. I don't I don't know. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't know any other podcast that that engages with their listeners as much as we do. Um you know, to on the scale of our top five episodes, which is something oh, is something yeah. that across the five years we've come up with pretty recently. It's pretty it's a pretty recent it's about it's about a yeah, year or two. Yeah, old, not not that. much more than that, yet it you guys sounded loud and clear that you really enjoyed that. So we're like, yeah, let's do more of that because we love it. You guys love it. Let's do it. And, you know, just it's the perfect thing. It's the perfect, you know, you guys get to contribute to the show. We get content that we can read and talk about and, you know, thing. And you guys get involved. And, you know, that's the perfect thing. And that's been kind of the – I think that's really a huge highlight for me is the top five episodes as being this – way for you guys to be a part of the show yeah because let's be honest there's a reason why we do top fives and not call <laughs> shows right i'm not gonna say this as a knock to any one in particular person but we had call-in shows back in the day if you listen to the right episodes you'll hear our call-in shows channel 1138 has like a phone number that you can call and we would give people those numbers, and they would call in, and we'd ask them to contribute to something like our barbecue segment or something like that. And I vividly recall one time we had our barbecue segment, and a couple of people called in and actually talked barbecue with us. But then we had one person call in, and we asked them a very simple, very straightforward question that we've asked a couple of other people. What's your favorite type of barbecue? <laughs> and do you know what this person did? I think I remember this. Do, do, you, do you remember this? This person who called in said nothing about barbecue. <laughs> Not one thing. Oh, my goodness. They started talking to us about the old episode three conspiracy theory that Kit Fisto isn't actually dead. <laughs> I remember this. I remember that. Oh. And I just sat there dumbfounded. It was one of my toughest moments as a host. Because I'm sitting there going, okay, but what about barbecue? Trying to redirect the conversation is like, yeah, but if you look at this particular screen grab, his body's not there, so he probably got away and he might actually be alive, guys. Can... What about barbecue? Yeah, I mean, Mace Windu might have gotten a hold of the Emperor, but I don't think the Emperor got a hold of Kit Fisto. What about barbecue? <laughs> like, I, I, I tried... So hard, but as good as my moderating was during the 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 the, the Dave Gramillion book episode, my moderating was very very tough to do for that episode. And from there on out, I learned we need to stay engaged with people, but we probably shouldn't be taking calls unless we have a screener, and that's just really really difficult to yeah. do at the podcasting yeah. level. But with the top five. We get to hear from you guys in advance. We get to compile the list. We get to call you out on the show. We get to talk about something that's pertinent and relevant to the topic and the conversation. And it gives you the opportunity to directly contribute to the show. You become the content, essentially, with those top five episodes. And that's what's really cool, is you become a part of the episode. And I think that's what I love the most about, about the top fives. Uh, I went and looked at our spreadsheet. We did the episode regarding top five movies you'll never say no to back in 2016. 
So I don't remember what date that was exactly, but apparently top fives are coming up on three years of existence. Wow. Wow. And that would not exist without you guys. We're trying to do them pretty regularly now, like every four to six weeks if possible. So there's another one just on the horizon. Stay tuned for that because we love doing those with you guys because of how directly involved you become in the show. It's great. So, so great. Always look forward to those. In the midst of that five years of greatness, we've had some pretty amazing conversations, have we not? Like, just a few, yeah. I mean, you've got to have a few diamonds when you've done 237 episodes. There's a, there's a few out there, a few arcs out there that we may have really, really enjoyed. So in the spirit of those top fives, and in the spirit of commemorating our five-year anniversary, I think it's only fitting to do a miniature top five discussing our favorite five IPC discussions. Heck yeah. That's, that's, that's not too narcissistic, is no, it? No, not, not, not too much, not too much. I mean, there's a, there's a little smidgen of it in there, but honestly, when you're celebrating a monument as big as five years, I really don't care. No, we, we can do what we want at this point. Half, half a decade, folks. Let me emphasize that. Half a decade of podcasting. That's pretty epic. Pretty epic. So, so, most let, shows just... don't even make it past, like, episode 10. Like, you know, there's so many shows that just don't happen, and somehow we're still going. We're still surviving. Somehow. Somehow. It's like Gloria Gaynor. I will survive. Okay, oh sorry. In the spirit of those top fives, let's go through our traditional top five format where we look at our number five, our number four, our number three, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I've got a couple of honorable mentions, so if you want to toss in some honorable mentions as well, I think that'd be okay. But uh, I'm really curious like what your five favorite discussions have been over these past five years, man. It's, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to narrow down. Yeah. It's, there's been so many and I was kind of, I was having to kind of look back through our, our archive to kind of yeah. remember a lot yeah, of them. Same. And you know, there's just been so many, um, you know what? I'm going to throw an honorable mention out there. It's kind of, it's kind of an, an on two ongoing series that we have and that I've had a lot of fun with. Um, first of all, star Wars, uh, yeah. I think it's kind of like through the through the those, entire those those in person, those in person discussions are some of the most fun I have podcast. You can kind of period. connect them all because we did like, you know, in the lead up to Force Awakens, we did all the films, and then for each film that's come out, we've done huge roundtables for those, and then now we've gone back to that, and we've been doing the revisited versions. Of the Star Wars films. Well, yeah, because our last Star Wars discussion was in 2015 leading up to The yeah, Force we Awakens. we're allowed to change our opinions on these things. Well, and we're just allowed to talk about it again after it's been like three and a half, because four years for crying out loud. I don't remember what I said, loud. and I bet most of the audience still doesn't remember it either. So I really don't, and I don't go back and listen to my stuff after I record it. It's like I record it, I'm done, I'm moving on, you no. know? I get you, I get you. Um... All right, so Star Wars. That's so a, that's a Star good one. Wars, and I'm also going to throw throw a shout out to Planet of the Apes. I really, I that was really a good one. enjoyed that one. Of course, you know another franchise that I had I had no exposure to previously. Um, but getting to you, you know, we did the original Planet of the Apes, and we did the three films, and then we got to finish off with War. Um, amazing films, and just a lot of fun talking about them. That was a good one. 
that was a good one. So uh, I'll I'll toss out my honorable mentions. Um, I really enjoyed our Harry Potter discussions. Yes. Mostly because a lot of those, I was watching those movies for the very first time, and I, I'm pretty sure you yep. were too. Yep. And then we got to bring in Harry Potter fans and experts and like got to bounce things off of them as well. And then we also got to talk about Fantastic Beasts as well. So this was like... This was like 10 episodes or something like that, just about Harry Potter. And that, that was a was, lot of fun. That was great. That was a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, our uh, our Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit arc was mm-hmm, pretty fun mm-hmm. as well. Mostly mostly because we got to use our friend Andy Damon's voice as Gollum talking about the Intergalactic Peace Coalition. That's one of our alternate oh, intros. We've got to get him back on the show at some point. Just, just, we do. Just, just we do. To, just to utilize, just to abuse his talents because he's so great. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, we miss you if you're listening to this, dude. Um, and we miss you too, Jake. Not leaving anybody out. Uh, and then another honorable mention I'm going to toss out there is our Indiana Jones arc. Yes, that was a lot of fun. We had we had a lot of fun talking about Indy and Harrison Ford and speculation about what they could do with any future movies. Uh, we even found positives in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is pretty hard to do, but we found a way to do it. And... Um, it was it was just really engaging. It was really lively, and it was really fun using the podcast as an excuse to go back and watch those classic it films. It was, and you know, being that they just confirmed Indiana Jones five is coming, five. Um, I yep. guess eventually we'll have to return to that franchise when when it comes back. That's true. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's very true. Going to be good. Going to be good. All right. Um, so you want you want right, to start so it off? Actual. Actual number five. Here we go. Uh, for me, my, my actual number five would be that sequence we did uh, either, I think it was last year, when we did some consecutive discussions from our top fives, talking about our top five uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars arcs, oh, yeah. and our top five Star Wars The Clone Wars yes. episodes. It was really interesting comparing and contrasting the arcs and putting them all together, in addition to looking at the individual episodes that we really enjoyed. And it was just fun getting to revisit the Clone Wars in that fashion and kind of harken back to our actual season-by-season discussion that we did all those years prior. It was a nice way of blending some nostalgia with some current events and including top five elements. It It was just a lot of good fun that was very comprehensive and in the spirit of everything that IPC. Anytime about. I get an excuse to talk about Clone Wars, I'm happy. So, oh, dude, same. That was that's a that's a good one. It's a really good one. All right, so my number five is a series that I we did. Was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. It's been a while. Um, but really, it, it was you know my first time watching those films, and I wanted to watch them for a long time, but it really was a lot of fun going through them all, even though some of them, <laughs> quality-wise, is a thing. But uh, Pirates of the Caribbean was a huge oh, one yeah. for me, and I really enjoyed. You know, I still love that first movie, and I have mixed feelings about the rest of them. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think it just it was fun, regardless of how you know positively or negatively we we talked about them. It was it's a lot of fun watching them, enjoying them, and getting to talk about them. I'll agree to that. I I enjoyed it, and I and I enjoyed getting to really really praise Curse of the Black Pearl, and then enjoyed getting to really really trash At World's End <laughs> and uh, 
Stranger Tides and all that. Um, it was it, it was it was it was really good fun all around. I I totally get that. I didn't think of that for my five, but that's definitely mm-hmm. a really good one. Yeah, totally, totally. What's 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 your number four? So my number four is one that's pretty recent. But again, it's very much in the spirit of everything that we've done and, and everything that we've built towards here at IPC. And also something that I'm really kind of surprised we hadn't done up to the point that we did it. That would be our Pixar. Oh, yes. That was great. The Pixar was a lot of fun because we asked people, what are your top five Pixar films? And then we took the ones that received the most points, received the most votes, and actually discussed them on the show in the ensuing weeks. That was... So we got to talk about Monsters, Inc. We got to talk about the Incredibles franchise. We got to talk about Finding Nemo. You know, and and, uh, and uh, Wally was another one that got a lot of really high votes, and I was pretty surprised by that. And so we got to talk about these films that you specifically said that you enjoyed and then some of them i believe one or two of those were movies that you'd never even seen before am um, i right ben yeah i'd never seen wally and now it's like one of my pro- i would i would rank it really high on my like my favorite movies ever like i love wally and that was the first time i'd ever seen it and that's the beauty of this podcast is you get introduced to stuff that you might not have ever seen before and might not have taken the time to see if it wasn't for this show, yeah. and and now you've got a movie that's one of your favorites, thanks to IPC. So yeah, talking about top five Pixar films and then discussing some of those top five Pixar films, our Pixar is one of my favorite arcs that we've done here it's, on the show. Uh, yeah, it was incredible. Love that. So what have you got for All number right. four? Well, it's one that you've already mentioned. It was one of your honorable mentions and I kept quiet about it but it's 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 <laughs> up there for me as one of my favorites the Harry Potter arc that we did yep. with Dominic and yep. big shout out to him because we, yep. we you know that that just wouldn't have worked if it was just us trying to talk about those movies it it didn't work I'm pretty sure we tried to do a, a Fantastic Beast discussion on our own because Dominic had a scheduling difficulty and the two of us talking about it was kind of rough. Uh, I didn't want to bring that up, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're gonna we're it, gonna make I, up I, for that one of these days. We're gonna make up for that. I'm gonna say it. We will we will revisit the the Fantastic Beasts trilogy when the third one gets made or something like that. Yeah, and and we'll have Dominic on for all three episodes so we can hash it out better. But yeah, that was that was one of our rougher episodes. Thankfully, it's more than 15 episodes away. So if you want to listen to it, you have to be a patron. <laughs> yeah. We only have the most, the 15 most recent episodes available for free, and then anything after that, you got to be a patron. So if you really want to hear one of our rougher episodes, by all means, contribute to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, your, there's your plug. There's your plug. Didn't want to, didn't, yep. I wasn't gunning for that, but yeah, of course. Yeah, support us, because keep the lights on, because we can keep this going. But uh, yeah, Harry Potter yeah. was so much fun, because of Dominic being on with us to set us straight on a lot of things. And just getting to watch and experience all those movies because they're great movies. They really are. And they I had are. totally missed them, you know, just for the fact of, you know, I'm, I am a sheltered person pop culturally <laughs> and uh, yep. just didn't catch them. 
which is great for being a host of a pop culture It really has played in. I've got up on so many different franchises, as you were saying, because of the show. So, and Harry Potter was one of them. That's a, that's a great selection, dude. That really is. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the, the Harry Potter discussions. Uh, it, I don't know if it necessarily became like one of my favorite franchises, but I don't think I can recall a time where I sat through that mo- one of those movies and thought I didn't have a good time. <laughs> yeah. You know? They're very enjoyable movies to watch. They may get a little dated at times, but they're still fun to watch. They're very yeah. enjoyable. So, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so on to our number threes yeah. then, yes? Okay, so uh, my number three, I, this is mostly because it directly ties into a spinoff program that I wish I could maintain, but I just don't have the time for it. For a while, back in the early days of IPC, I was also hosting a spinoff program on 1138 called Sci-Fi oh. Symphony. And I made about four or five episodes over the course of about two or three years. It was very spread out because it's very time-consuming. But much like how I said IPC is along the lines of talk radio, Sci-Fi Symphony was along the lines of traditional radio, introducing music and giving fun facts about it and paying tributes to people who have uh, moved on. I did a Carrie Fisher tribute when she passed away. You know, things like that. As well as taking submissions from people who want to hear certain songs. That was one of the things that caused them to, to tune in and to listen, was to hear some stuff that they had requested. It was pretty engaging. It was pretty fun. It was just also really difficult and time-consuming. So my number three is one that harkens to Sci-Fi Symphony, while also pays tribute to the greatest composer of our generation. I loved discussing John Williams here on the program. Oh, man. Every, yeah. Because we did more than one episode, did we not? We did your top five John Williams pieces, and then we did one that was our top five John Williams that was pieces. Amazing! So it was it was a, it was a back to back weeks where we just talked about the ones that you guys wanted to talk about, and we we probably played a few snippets and clips and like reminded ourselves of some of the ones that we'd forgotten, and then we had an entire episode dedicated to just our top five John Williams pieces. And when we got to the number ones, we played them in their entirety, Mm -hmm. you know, like on the show live played those pieces all the way through. And I got to play journey to the Island from Jurassic park as my Mm -hmm. number one and just got to relive the chills of that music, that symphonic piece. It's just beautiful. John Williams's work is beautiful and being able to spend two weeks just talking about the man, the myth, the legend is one that I'm always going to remember. So the top five John Williams pieces, that duology that we did, it may not have been a very big arc, but it was definitely musical and memorable. Yeah, that's a great choice that I feel terrible for not even thinking about. <laughs> this, that, was, that was one of my favorites of there, too. It's so great. It was it was a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun on this show, don't Sometimes, we? Sometimes, yeah. Seems seems to be. Seems to be. Um so I guess I'll do my number three now. Is that where we're at? By okay, all means. My number three is one again, another classic franchise, an older franchise that I'd really never been exposed to outside of the memes and whatever. Um, but I had a really fun time watching these films and talking about them. And Back to the Future just blew me away and 
you know, as films. Yeah. And I really yep. just like came away there going like, yeah, I I get it. You know, sometimes I'll be honest. Lord of the Rings is not on my list. That's and, okay. you know, I know a lot of people love Lord of the Rings. It's, it's, it, I want to go back and watch it one day. It did not resonate with me as much as it does other people. And that's fine. But there's other franchises that really did. And Back to the Future was one of them. I'm like, holy crap, that was awesome. Like, I, like, where has this been all my life? Because, or where have I been all this life? Because it's been over there and I just haven't been watching it. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, those movies are just so great. And yeah, the discussions and everything like that we that we had about them were fantastic. Well, and it's kind of funny how it all kind of comes full circle because we mentioned how Endgame has a lot of Back to the Future references. Yeah, in and it. then there's the and then, so then that, you know you got Alan Silvestri connection. Um, so that's true. Yeah, it's great. The only thing the only thing we're missing is Christopher Lloyd in an MCU movie. Where is he? They should be getting him. They should be doing that. He he should be like a scientist, like a mad scientist working in a lab on vibranium or something Absolutely. like that. Like, I would I would love to see that because you you wouldn't necessarily have to call him by his name directly, but everybody's gonna be like, oh look, it's Doc. <laughs> that would be great. You know, it, like it, that that kind of of crossover would just be phenomenal, but. Dude, I I did enjoy these a lot too, and and the only reason I don't have it on my list is because we're not doing a top ten, <laughs> you know. Yep, we're doing a top five, but there's so many arcs and so many stories and so many fun memories that it's hard to to narrow it down to just it is. five. It's really it really tough. it really is. Uh, that that's why. That's why I, I had to go back through our, our show reel and look at some of the stuff that we've discussed because we've talked about a lot, dude. You cover a lot of ground in 237 yeah. episodes. You really cover a lot of ground. And I think some of my favorite ground to cover was the year that we decided anytime we had an off week, anytime we had some downtime, anytime there wasn't like a popular movie we needed to discuss at this point in time, we would just pick this franchise back up and continue with it one episode at a time. My number two favorite arc ongoing discussion that we've had here on the show was when we spent the better part of a year, I would say at least eight or nine months, covering every episode individually of the hit cult classic series Firefly. I yep, knew knew that was coming up. It had to, right? You you kind of you kind of have to. It was so much fun because one of the episodes you'd never seen before. And it had been a long time since I'd seen Serenity because it just it's just so sad that I have a hard time forcing myself to watch it. Oh, and by and so, the way, this is also my number 2. No way. There That's so go. cool. That's so cool. See, that's how we jive, man. We may, we may, you know, go deviate a little bit here and there, but where it matters most, I, I'm hoping our number ones are the same as well. But I, I can't well, we'll promise. We'll see. It. We'll see. But dude, just being able to, to talk about this hit series, talk about the characters, talk about the music, talk about the visuals, 
there's so many elements about Firefly that is so fun. What we need to do is put them together into like a package so that if you wanted to listen to just Firefly, you would just download like just this zip drive or something like that. That would like be that. interesting. There should be iTunes should have like playlists where you can do that. that they should. should. They should. So I mean that that should be a thing for us because you know, it's so spread out that it's like, oh, Firefly, oh, Firefly, oh, Firefly. Like, putting them all together into one thing would be really cool to be able to, like, do, like, this binge listen of us talking about each individual episode. That alone could be its own mini podcast, oh, you yeah. know? Just talking about those, was it 14 episodes in the movie? Mm-hmm. That's, like a, that's, like a little, that's like a little mini-series yeah. right there. Because we even found evidence of season two being included in yeah. season one. It's all there. And that was that was like that was like our big pitch was like evidence of Firefly season two. Listen so now, going all, going all Alex Jones conspiracy theory on you guys and, and on Firefly. I mean, it was great clickbait because it wasn't entirely no, it false. But dude, it was it was so much fun, and I, I feel like I'm rambling on about it a little bit. But I just had so much fun with it. I loved talking about that franchise. Any yeah, I love that. You know, Firefly is just so special to us, and it is such a great series, and we were able to, you know, take a break. I wish we could do that with every series, but, you know, there's only so much time and so many episodes, but Firefly definitely deserved it. Apparently, we only we only have 47 uh, weeks out of the year to do yeah, this on. it's a shame. They need add, we need more weeks and more days, or maybe we just need to quit our jobs and, and do podcasting We just need to podcast full-time. We need, like, a sponsor that can help us podcast full-time where all we're doing is recording, you know, three or four episodes a week so that we're pumping out, you know, instead of uh, uh, 237 episodes total, it's like 237 episodes a year or something like that. Yep, that's the goal. Like, wouldn't wouldn't that be intense, though? Like, 237 out of the 365 days out of the year, we're talking shop. Like, that would be I think so we might crazy. actually run out of things to talk about. <laughs> oh, I don't think we would. Oh, I don't think we would. I, I think we could we could do like a, a series if we if we did let's say we did three or four episodes a week yeah. yeah one of those episodes could be an episode by episode discussion of a TV series another one could be a throwback movie review just any movie that isn't from 2010 or newer you know 2010 or mm-hmm. later we're we're doing like a throwback discussion of some previous movie. And then, like, the third one would be uh, a top five episode or something right. like that. Like, there's content out there, dude. There's plenty of content out there. The problem is, we ain't got time for that. <laughs> ain't nobody got we, time for that. We wouldn't have time to watch all the stuff because we do be doing so many podcasts. That's the dream right there, <laughs> my friend. That is the dream. All right. Did you did you go to the, did you did you go see the new movie yet? No, I was busy podcasting about the other movie. <laughs> the struggle is oh, real. Man. All right, so your number one, lay it on me. My number one actually does harken all the way back to our very mm. first year. It goes way back because this discussion is one that has been ongoing. Since year one, since 2014, 
um, back in that day, there was just speculation about sequels. And since then, we have gotten to talk about both of those sequels in addition to everything else that this franchise has to offer. And not only that, it's the one arc out of everything we've ever done on this podcast where one of us actually flew solo on an episode. Oh, yeah. And, and learned that was a terrible idea. <laughs> there were a lot of lessons learned. There were a lot of really awesome discussions. And it was some of the most clever branding I have ever seen when discussing a particular franchise and creating promo images. And all the credit goes to you for coming up with this because it was super clever. But my favorite discussion, not just because it's one of my favorite franchises, but just because there's so much about this series, about this arc, that is tied into IP's history, IPC's history, that you can't ignore it. My favorite arc, my favorite series of discussions that we've ever done on this show, without a doubt, without fail, is the Jurassic arc. Yep. I saw that coming from a mile away. It's 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 hard to hide something like that, dude. It's so hard. I mean, yeah, like like I said, I flew solo one of those episodes because I was in this mentality of the show must go on. And afterwards I was like, "Oh, that was brutal. I hope I never have to do that again." And uh we've learned our lesson. I've learned my lesson. Never do that again. It was it was just terrible. But I also remember there was one week I was out of town and um, could not get to uh, accessible Wi-Fi to actually produce the show from. And we just happened to be staying at the dinosaur capital of Texas I that weekend. This. And the guy in the lobby offered to put up wet floor signs in the lobby around the Ethernet connection in the lobby in order to keep people at bay so that I could produce the podcast from the lobby of this hotel in the dinosaur capital of Texas. <laughs> that's and that's a memory that's just going to stick with me forever, you know? Like, before we had longtime listeners, before we had financial patrons, we had simple dudes like the front desk clerk who was willing to help us put this show on when talking about dinosaurs. And I don't think we ended up doing an episode that week. I think that was our first ever rerun when we put, put played both of the previous two episodes back-to-back. Uh -huh. -back. I think that was, like, the first time we ever did a rerun on the show. And so there's just all these other elements. And like I said, talking about Jurassic World and then talking about Fallen Kingdom here on the show, this has a lot of longevity to it. We talked about one, two, three, the books – and then did speculation for Jurassic World on a completely separate episode. So that's five yeah. right there. And then we talked about World when it came out. And then we talked about Fallen Kingdom when it came out. So seven of our 237 episodes have been completely dedicated to the Jurassic franchise. Yeah. And so it was a part of us from year one. And it's still a part of us today. And I, I just love that about it. The Jurassic Arc favorites. Uh, here on the show that is great i completely agree I, that was one of my favorites one of my absolute favorites and it was so much fun but it, 
shockingly, it didn't make my list. It, it I, I am I am I a little know. shocked, but not I entirely. I, I I think I think my love of dinosaurs probably uh, it shrouds the, the impact that that arc really had because honestly, year one episodes were a little brutal, and I really don't want to go back and listen to those episodes. Yeah. But five years later, there's a bit of a of nostalgia yeah, attached to it. Yeah. I guess. Given full consideration, it might have cracked six or seven for me if I was doing a top ten. Um, but we're only doing top five tonight, and my number one is one near and dear to my heart and our hearts, and one that was very long. It was it was one that you know we did very early on to kind of get into the groove of actually podcasting because it was some topic that we both knew and it was very easy to talk about and it ended up being one of my favorite topics. And, you know, not only was it great to revisit this series, but we're going to get to revisit it again when a new season comes out, probably next year, hopefully. Um, the Clone Wars was the best. Yeah, it was so man. much fun. There were times when we had to break it up into like this season part one and this season part two because there's just so much about those arcs to discuss. So much character development, so much change that happens from season three onward. Like I was playing um, Battlefront 2, the the EA and DICE Battlefront right. 2 today. First time I've played it in mm. almost a year. So I was just playing solo mode, just having some fun with it. And I just happened to choose Camino as one of my maps. And one of the playable characters is an ARC trooper. And they've got Captain Rex's uh, DL-44s as their weapons Ooh. of choice. And it was scary how accurate and how intense those dudes were compared to the regular troopers. And... All I could think of was being Arc Trooper Fives, oh, you yeah. know, or or being Rex himself, somebody like that. And every time I saw a droid, I was thinking about how this is our home. This is our war. And that's the impact that the Clone Wars has on you is it lasts through your memories. It lasts through your experiences and it translates into other platforms. All of a sudden, it's not just a regular game that you're playing. It's now you impersonating ARC Trooper 5's defending Kamino on the Clone Wars. So good. Such good stuff. I, I, I'm i with you, man. It's, it's a really fun one. The only reason I didn't put it in my 5 was because it was very early on in our discussions, and I know that a lot of the stuff that I said was probably not that insightful and not all that great. I, I, and we I, probably had a lot of dead I don't air remember, because I didn't know what to do. I don't remember do. what I said. I really don't want to remember what I said. I, I'm with you. I, the, the, the important thing is we had exactly. fun. Exactly. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's about having fun, enjoying what you do. So my big question to you then is, out of these five years, has it ever felt like a waste of time or being tedious in nature? No. No, of course not. No, this is, this is, I feel like every episode we've accomplished something and we've you know, discuss something or watch something new and talked about it, 
you know, and it's been a big thing for me, as, as I've said, seriously, like, I'm not even, I'm not just saying this, like, there's so many franchises that I am now exposed to because of this show, um, so it's been a huge impact on my life, just, not just from this perspective of, oh, hey, I do a podcast that people listen to and enjoy, and that I have a lot of joy put into and put very much pride into, you know, it's also just the fact that I get to enjoy things, new things sometimes, and I get to talk about them. And it's a heck of a lot of fun each and every week. It is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Sometimes our schedules don't always jive, but that's part of life, and we've learned to roll with Mm -hmm. the punches. And thankfully, you guys who listen to us regularly have understood that as well. And, you know, you're not putting these high-pressure demands on us. And it's like, it's got to be out at this date and time, and it's got to be perfect and all this sort of stuff. No, you, you recognize that we're just people, and we're just doing it for fun. And everything that you contribute financially is just to help keep us afloat. We're not putting any of it in our pockets. We're putting it right back into the show. It's paying for our Podbean subscription. It's paying for you know travel if we're going to be going to conventions or something like that. It's it's paying for equipment if we need a new microphone or something like that. That's what the money goes towards. It doesn't go towards you know buying any like frivolous stuff or it doesn't go towards rent or anything like that. It goes right back into the podcast every time, and I think that's that's the beauty of the nature of how we do things here is. Everything that we do, we're doing it for the listeners, we're doing it for the show, and we're doing it so that we can continue to do it as long as the as the foreseeable future Absolutely. allows. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, dude, there is a there is a lot of stuff we could talk about covering five years. We could probably spend five years talking about the last yeah. five years. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's not a hyperbole. That's we've a fact. been here for five years and we'll <laughs> probably be here for another five years, hopefully. That's that's a crazy thought, but it's entirely possible. It's it's not impossible considering the awesome movies and the awesome throwbacks that we still have yeah. in front of us. It's entirely Absolutely. possible. But one of the things that we've done for over 230 episodes, we've only broken tradition maybe once or twice ever in this show. But there's a staple that we just have to talk about, something that we've got to take care of. And it's not tedious in nature. I'm not saying we have to get it out of the way. We've got to do this. We're doing it because we enjoy doing it. And uh, that that is one food-related segment that I'm actually full on tonight. It's not going to make me hungry like it's done in previous <laughs> encounters. But we're still going to bring it up. So, ladies and gents, get out your hashtags. Start putting them in the chat if you're listening live, which I know you're not because it's really late at night when we're recording this. But if you're listening on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, StarWarsOnTheWorld.com, CastBox, whatever you're listening on, put it on social media. Find us at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and start using it there, because we'll look for it and we'll find it. Because it's time, one more time, for hashtag BBQWatch. Barbecue. Barbecue. Barbecue! 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 Barbecue it. Barbecue it. Barbecue it. We're in the barbecue watch now. Oh, that's clever.
<laughs> uh, that, that gave me chills just a little bit, not going to lie. <laughs> so tonight's uh, Barbecue Watch is actually just part of a new promotion that's launched at uh, at a local chain. I don't know how far out this chain goes, but uh, have you ever eaten at Taco Bueno, Ben? No. I've heard you talk about it, but I've never eaten there. Okay, so I really don't know how far this chain goes then, because I thought that it was as widespread as Taco Bell, because I see it as frequently as I do Taco Bell restaurants around here in Texas. Really? Like, they're, they're, they're all over the Texas area, and I thought they were all over the south. Now I'm really confused, because I don't, I don't know. But I, for a long time, I thought they were the competitors to Bell. I was <laughs> like, bueno? Yeah, bueno is pretty bueno. Pretty good. <laughs> and after the uh, the dissolving of the four for four by Wendy's, Taco Bueno has now become my value menu of choice. Uh-huh. Just putting that out there. They've got stuff that's seventy nine cents, eighty nine cents, and ninety nine cents. And there's like twelve to fourteen different options that are all within that range. And it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I digress just a little bit. One of the new elements that they've got there is something that I really wasn't expecting from them, but it's been a very pleasant surprise. It is a um, slow-cooked brisket taco. Oh, my goodness. Most of the time, it's just beef tacos, chicken tacos. They're kind of venturing into burrito bowls a little bit, kind of like Chipotle or Freebirds or something like that. But this is something completely different. And I guess it's like the Texan element in there because we love our barbecue brisket out here. And they're just putting them on corn tortillas and they're putting a little bit of pico de gallo and cilantro on it. It's not anything fancy. And I'm sure that there's like a little bit of sauce that's like included in the meat because the meat's very tender, very moist. But the thing that gets me is I like the way that it tastes. I do don't like how much it costs. Oh. These puppies are 2.49 a taco. Yikes. However, that is not the most expensive taco I've ever eaten. <laughs> Bet. There are some places in Dallas that are very eclectic and modern and they call themselves traditional Mexican food and then I ordered the 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 vegan option just to see what it's like. And then I got like a traditional one on top of that. But each one was like four fifty to five bucks a taco. Mm-hmm. I've had some damn expensive tacos before. So two forty nine in that context isn't that bad. But yeah. the con the, the content is literally just brisket, tomatoes, onion, and cilantro. Wow. There's no cheese. There's no lettuce, there's no sour cream, there's there's no filler. It's literally just taco, meat, and pico. That's it. Wow. For $2.49. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I don't either. That's the part where I'm torn because it tastes amazing. It tastes amazing, but it's so dang expensive. I'm not getting three or four of those tacos and paying 10 bucks for them, you know? Yeah, that's 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 steep for what it's, you're getting there. It, it's it's pretty steep. Now, what they have done to try and counterbalance that is they've made like a a combo meal out of it, and you can get one of those brisket tacos, a regular crunchy taco, a bean and cheese burrito, and a drink for five dollars. 
which isn't that bad. Mm, I suppose so. I mean, it, it could be worse. By doing it that way, you've got four elements for five bucks instead of two tacos for five bucks. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you still get the brisket element, and you still get full from some of the other stuff. What I ended up having for supper tonight was that box meal deal. They call it the rodeo box or something like that. And then I also got a, a tostada. And then they've got this other thing called a taco cup. And it's like one of those mini uh, taco bowls that you can get, like a taco salad bowl. That's the, the bowl is a chip. I don't know if you've ever seen those before. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like a miniature version of that. It fits in the palm of your hand. And they put, like, meat and beans and cheese and tomato and then your choice of sour cream or guac. It's like five or six layers of stuff in this one cup. And I got one of those, a tostada, and the rodeo box for, like, seven fifty tonight. And that filled me up, man. That filled me up. So Bueno's value meal is still... A pretty decent value when you know what to get. But the brisket taco has been a very nice addition. I just wish it was closer to two bucks instead of two fifty. I hear you. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. My question to you then, could you ever envision tacos at a barbecue joint? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, is that something that you would ever pitch to your to your restaurant and say, hey, maybe we should try something like brisket tacos? I mean, I have to tread carefully that it doesn't create more work for me. Um, <laughs> but it would be darn good to eat and darn good to promote because, yeah, that would be sick because you can do, you know, pulled pork, you can do chicken, you can do any number of things. And it's something that's really exotic and something something you don't see a whole lot so it would be I think really it would unique be. i think it's something that especially the south region the bible belt you know, from like texas to georgia all of that those southern states could really benefit from something like a brisket taco at establishments mm-hmm. and i like that taco bueno is kind of blazing the trail here but for what you've got in the taco i just have a hard time justifying buying one of them for 249 that's why i get the combo box because at least i'm getting a couple of other elements and a drink on top of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But brisket tacos is definitely something I'm interested in and definitely want to pursue more of. If there's other places that you guys know of that have brisket tacos, send them my way because I love tacos and I love brisket. <laughs> Can't argue so hit me that. up. Hit me up on social media. Let me know if you have found any other places that have awesome brisket tacos. Uh, Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W on Twitter and Instagram. Let me know, and maybe I'll try and hit them up as long as they're kind of within a 50-mile radius. <laughs> uh, that's about the range that I've got right now, 50 to 100 miles maybe. And uh, I'll give it a shot. We'll see what happens. My goodness. Yep. It's, that's, I can't wait to hear from people, and I hope they do because, you know, we, we, we always love. Use that barbecue watch. Use the hashtag. Get it out there. Put your stuff out there so we can, we can have some good content. We, we talked about earlier how we loved hearing from you guys, and we, we mean it, so do it. Every now and again, we'll do a hashtag check-in where all we do during the Barbecue Watch segment is take a look at your use of Barbecue Watch. So be sure to use it, and we'll make sure to give you some shout-outs when the time comes. Be good. So where can where can the folks try and find you directly if they wanted to, Ben? I told them oh. where to find me. Okay, so they can find me at Ben Hart with no E. Literally how it sounds. 
um, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Yes, I am still posting pictures from Star Wars Celebration Chicago. And yes, I'm still tweeting a lot of dumb things that for some reason get a lot of retweets sometimes. Um, so yeah, follow me there. And uh, yeah, and if I know you, I will follow you back. Or tweet at me and say, follow me back, and I'll do it. Because, you know, you can't always... Because you just give in to peer pressure like that. Of course, yeah. If you tell me to do something, I will do it. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I don't... I don't argue with people. You know, somebody on the internet tells you to do something, you do it, um, which can be dangerous That's just sometimes. That's how it works. But w- whatever, whatever. Um, yeah, follow me there. Keep up with the show at IPC Podcast everywhere. And uh, yeah, talk to you guys next week. Yeah, we're going to give you some peer pressure. Go find us on that social media. Go find us on StarWarsUnderworld.com. Go find us on iTunes. Give us a rate and review. And uh, be sure to find us at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. That is our official hosting site. They're the people that give us uh, plenty of room to put all of our 230-something-odd episodes on there. And hopefully we'll be able to put plenty more on there for years to come. Ben, dude, it's been a long marathon of a discussion of Avengers Endgame. And it's been a marathon of five years of podcasting. But I don't think I'd have it any other way, man. And I'm looking forward to so many more years of adventures with you. It's been an amazing time. Amazing past 237 episodes. Holy crap. Five years. Um, And it's been a great little time here discussing Marvel again. We had a little mini arc here with our, uh, you know, kind of a chronological recap of the MCU. A couple weeks ago, we did Endgame Pod, which was amazing. And tonight, just doing a little review and getting to hash it out between each other about our thoughts on Endgame was also absolutely fantastic. And thank you guys so much for listening. As I said, we'll be here next week. So why don't you come back too? And you never know what we could be talking about because we're not talking about Marvel. We got something else cooking up. Hopefully, nah. nah. <laughs> it's time. It's time to take a break from that and, and kind of switch gears. And uh, we'll let you know what kind of gear we're going to be shifting to on social media. So go find us there at IPC Podcast. But for now, it's time to put this one and ourselves to bed. Episode 237 is now officially in the books. For Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope that you'll tune in to next week's exciting episode. But until then, we just want to leave you with this closing thought. Oh, this is very appropriate. Very, very appropriate celebrating five years. Where we are going always reflects where we came from. I didn't even I didn't even plan that. <laughs> I swear to God, I did not plan that. That's just the next fortune cookie on the list. Where we are going always reflects where we came from. And we hope that we are going to see you next week right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. Good night.